Hello, and welcome to the Satacast on Monday, the 27th of June, 2022. I'm your host, Dan Train. Join me today, Zachary Burgess. Well, the pizza are not ready to podcast. <laughs> and Robert Kemp. Cheese is not known for its hype-inducing properties. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's known yeah. for strange dreams, that's for sure. That's what people say, but I've never... <laughs> Maybe I adapted to cheese after eating it literally before bed for who knows how many years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, not, you're immune to cheese dreams. Yeah. I don't think I've had them either, to be fair. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever made the connection between cheese and having a mad dream. No. Too much pizza over the years before bed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, same thing. Got some but usually, usually pizza after podcast, <laughs> so this is slightly different. Yeah, I think... Cheese's hype effects are pre-cheese, not post-cheese. <laughs> You're hype for because cheese. You... Yeah. yeah. Getting hype for that cheese. But what was it, your standard pizza cheese mozzarella on there? Or a... I mean, I guess so. Whatever Domino's use. <laughs> Whatever vaguely yeah. mozzarella-ish thing that yeah. they use to make, make yeah. mass-produced pizza. <laughs> I wonder what it is. Or like, uh, it is literally, it is cheese, obviously, from a like from milk or whatever, from a cow, right? Yeah, I think they describe it as mozzarella mm. on, on the site. Mm. But you know, it'll be their particular take on mozzarella, I guess. Indeed, because most of these places have to make their own stuff, right? It's like the McDonald's and Burger King cheese, right? <laughs> that cheese in that burger is impossible to replicate any, by any other means. Yeah, it's got some E numbers in there for sure. Oh, yeah. That you can't, like, recreate at home or and you can't buy. Those cheese, that cheese is special. Some emulsification going on, I'm sure. So you get some of that, like, singles or whatever from a supermarket. None of them are the same. They're the ones that are, like, they're not individually wrapped, but they have... I mean, they can be. They can be, or they have, like... a clear plastic sheet in between each each slice yeah but i think most of them are like individually wrapped right and did they sort of mm. peel halfway and then like that can't cheese be good for the environment can it like oh no it must be horrendous packaging is it actually plastic or do you think it's biodegradable the whatever they they keep the the singles in I don't actually no mm. i mean i'm sure it was plastic at some point if it isn't any longer <laughs> Yeah, well, in the in the past, yeah, and probably when, not very distance past. <laughs> no, well, some packaging is improving. Some of it. Mm. I wonder. You need to come up with a plastic that doesn't degrade in the presence of cheese. That <laughs> <laughs> does <laughs> degrade otherwise. I mean, it's only cheese that we're worried about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people degrade in the presence of cheese. <laughs> They're trying to find a plastic. It's probably quite hard. I mean, we definitely degrade in the presence of cheese. Well, as will be evidenced by the next two hours. And like I said, not in the presence, in the ingestion of cheese. Well, the cheese is still present. Currently. (laughs) I mean, sort of. Is it still cheese once it's like half digested? I mean, I don't expect we've got through that much of it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Speculating on the current state of digestion. At what point does digested food be not food? I would or say, the original thing that it I was? would say, it, like, is it upon mastication or is it upon like some amount of acid bath? Well, I guess it depends on like 
if you took a pizza and then like blended it, is that still a pizza? Is that still a pizza? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't. I would say no. I mean, you'd have to call it like pizza smoothie or something. Well, oh, but then the the more specific argument in this case would be if you took a pizza and blended a pizza, would you still say that that contains cheese? Well, you would, right? So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So just chewing up a pizza does not remove the presence of cheese. And, uh, yeah, for our I guess. In yeah, this okay. conversation. So it's definitely post mastication. Like some at some point must be some point in the digestion process where it's it's decomposed enough that it's no longer cheese. Yeah, so I guess we'd have to do we'd have to look into some very specific chemistry to be like, when does lactose get broken down? I think some people don't even break that down. No. <laughs> like, well what part of cheese gets broken down at each point of the digestion process that makes it not cheese at a certain point? I forget where the lipase is introduced, right? Because there's a lot of fat in cheese. Yeah, I think that's after stomach, isn't it? Because that's all like gallbladder and whatnot. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Lipids. <laughs> so um, generally, I think we're going to say cheese is still present. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, cheese is still present. <laughs> okay, in some form. I accept. <laughs> There's a little cheese bit of cheese in, in this. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> There's always a little bit of cheese in this. Just topping off. <laughs> That would explain explain the cheese hype. It's like a disease. You have some cheese in you, and then it it it, it influences you, influences you to desire more cheese. Ah, uh, yeah, like bacteria. Yeah. Well, that like plasmosis thing that people have. Yeah. Require more cheese, but it's bad for you. I don't care. You must have it. I guess it's like smoking. <laughs> Slightly less addictive. <laughs> Directly addictive. Smoking that cheese. But not in the way that you would traditionally smoke cheese. <laughs> no. What, in a, like a smokehouse to make, no, it, no, I'm not doing <laughs> to that. make it smoky tasting? I'm okay. A, I'm getting my flamethrower out and lighting the end of a stick of halloumi. What if you... <laughs> What if you got a shit ton of cigarettes and then like lit them on fire and then smoke the cheese on top of that? Can you make a nicotine infused cheese? <laughs> oh, I bet you could. That is a novel way of smoking things in a smokehouse. <laughs> like a ton oh. of cigarettes just on a fire. Oh, that'd be so bad, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah. So bad. Why would you do it with cigarettes? You'd get tobacco, surely. Because if you just, just use cigarettes. cigarettes first, that's why. <laughs> also, because you could it'd be like a. You know, you'd make it like a brick at, with all the cigarettes facing upwards so you could just run the torch over them and then they'd burn down right. <laughs> neatly. Rather than it just being a big pile of whatever. Can you bong cheese? Also, uh, it's bonging up there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, in both cases. I think, yeah, that's for smoke, isn't it? Yeah, but they, you, like... I don't know, I forget how bongs work. They're sort of like, don't they like sort of infuse something into water and then the, you're effectively, it's like vaping, but without like a vape pen, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Well, in, in any case, you wouldn't be able to do that with cheese because the fat would, would mix with the water, right? <laughs> yeah, probably not. No. But like fat can be like aerosoled, right? Isn't it sort of what's in the air when you're like cooking bacon? I don't know if that's necessarily fat. Is it like is it like just a sort of fat haze? That might just be the smell of fat, which is probably just some other random compound. 
<laughs> or is it actually just smoke, like when it's in the air like that? Like if you're like just burning oil in a pan, for instance. Well, sure, I mean, it's combusting on some level. Isn't the isn't a bong to light to filter the smoke? So it's oh maybe not so bad. Yeah, maybe the smoke has yeah. to go through a sort of watery layer. <laughs> yeah, the cheese smoke. So if you manage to burn enough cheese to get some kind of cheese smoke. You could inhale cheese. I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as it's present, that's the key. <laughs> then if you need to inhale it. You could probably do it with those, um, those like, light cheeses, right, that don't actually have a lot of fat content in them, the ones that don't really melt. They just sort of singe in a weird way. Mm. You could probably burn those, get some smoke out of that. Smoke cheese with cheese. Smoke, smoke cheese with light cheese. Yeah. Just imagine that, you, that you've got like a cheese cafe that's got like, you know, it's like, um, what, what are those, um, you know, uh, I don't know, where they are smoking, not, not like from like hash pipes, right? Or water pipes or whatever, aren't they? Um, uh, you know what I mean? Like a, like a Turkish bar type thing. Aren't they bombs? Where it's all... I think they're a form of it, aren't they? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but that's all. <laughs> yeah, so you have that. So you're sitting around eating cheese and, and smoking, smoking your cheese as well. Smoking your cheese. Smoking a cheesecake. Well, here we are recording on a Monday evening. Unusual. <laughs> late, late start after the pizza. After the pizza and after heavy weekends, I'm sure. Yeah. What you been up to? Been to a wedding in Chester. Oh, that was basically Where is Chester. A... Is that north or yeah? Middle? It's up north. It's like it's mm. near living Liverpool and Warrington and that kind of neck right. of the woods. Right. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much a rave. But there was like non-stop drum really? bass for like most of the afternoon. <laughs> drum and bass wedding. Yeah. Amazing. Was that whose taste was that? The bride or the groom? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> right, they're just really into their oh yeah their beats, very much so. Could have done with uh, you know, not that I minded. It was quite interesting, like having that, but it, like you know, it needed a little bit of a uh, tonal shift periodically. It really was nothing but solid drum and bass the entire time. <laughs> uh, I, well, I had this conversation with someone actually at the at the time, and they were like, "Oh no, they threw in a little bit of future tech and baseline," and I'm like, "I have no idea what those are, <laughs> what the difference is no. between between those." You'd have to have that pointed out to you. It's like it's transitioning into future, transitioning into future tech. <laughs> this is now baseline. <laughs> baseline. That's a novel name for a. Oh yeah, that's hard about that one. What's it got? Oh, it's got a bass. It's just baseline. I mean, in fairness, like, there are certain genres that, for some reason, fit into the term bass music. Like, and, like, weirdly, I don't think drum and bass is one of them. <laughs> like, right. I, I get a bit lost. What about treble music? Treble music. Yeah, what's happening about tinny. that treble music? It's, it's very tinny. Break out your piccolos. Let's go. So do you think the most important thing on the wedding planning was picking the DJ? Or, or were oh, yeah, I'm pre- pretty certain it was a friend of those. But, um, oh, okay. But he was actually yeah. pretty good. Okay, cool. I'll give him credit. Um, well, 
I mean, on some levels, it sort of I mean, simplifies your job a little bit if you're only playing one precise genre continuously. Yeah, maybe. Or it might require more effort because, like, the, you mm. can't like just do a hard mix between them. You've actually got to mix them properly. Is it true? Was it all seamless and uh, and the, the the crowd was raving it up? Indeed, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice a bad mix. Nice. From the time I was listening, anyway, before I slipped into some sort of just like, <laughs> um, shit, um, shit, um, shit, um, shit, trance. <laughs> just was it just as, like get as, the ceremony out of the way? We've got to get to the. We've got to the, to yeah. The we'll have a quick base. have a quick barbecue. Got to start the drum and bass. Nice. Brian's got to have a nap and a breakdown somewhere, and then <laughs> then we'll get back to the raid. <laughs> yes, no, no was a bridesmaid. She had a lot to do. <laughs> Oh, buy me. Okay. <laughs> what were the dresses like for Raven? Uh, I think they were fine. Sort of <laughs> okay. green, a green slinky number was her bridesmaid dress. Nice. I was obviously in a suit because that's like the one dress yep. a man can have. <laughs> yep, that's the only thing allowed for weddings, even if it's a rave wedding. <laughs> even if it's a rave wedding, yep, get your rave suits out. Got some kind of purple thing. It's Rob's classic maneuver. I don't have a purple suit. No, not any longer. <laughs> not any longer. Oh, I suppose I had a like my the suit I used to wear at school had pink and green lining. <laughs> so I could have. I suppose I could have flashed some like yeah. ridiculous lining. But yeah, that was fairly heavy because it was like a a twelve o'clock wedding, and then of course the drinking starts. Right, yeah. So it's just a solid day of day drinking. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like there was a lot else going on other than the like drinking and the rave. So and raving. It <laughs> was pretty right. much the day. <laughs> that sounds like a good one. It was alright, yeah. Bit of a laugh. How did you so did you travel back this this morning then, hungover? No, no, we did we travelled we it was it was Saturday and we travelled back. Oh Sunday, it was Saturday. So, uh, oh, okay, fair. We're recording on Monday, so I'm 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 recovered today. <laughs> You're relatively right back. That's normal. Well, I've been at Glastonbury Festival for the past yeah, few days. Slightly more exotic. Got back today. Yeah, so that was cool. What was your review? It's your first Glastonbury, right? No, I've been once before. Oh, okay. Um, don't know if it was better. I mean, the headlines, but I mean. Paul McCartney was absolutely amazing hmm. uh, to see live, and, and like obviously, probably the last time <laughs> for people to I mean, to do something that big. I think yeah. I think almost any time he's performed in the last ten years, everyone said <laughs> it's probably his last. I mean, time. he's eighty, and he played for like three hours almost. It's Jeez. ridiculous. It was insane, and you wouldn't. And his voice was good. Like I don't know how, and the amount of stuff happening. And and we managed to get to a really good spot for Paul McCartney, so I was really pleased. I could actually see his face, hmm. you know, and expression, you know, by looking directly at him rather than having <laughs> rather to look at the screen. screen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he came down and uh, onto a, like a B stage at one point to sing to do Blackbird and and a, um, uh, but it raised up like a lift, <laughs> so we could see him really clearly. So that was really cool. Uh, and then there was like insane pyrotechnics for uh, Live and Let Die. <laughs> so many fireworks and flames and all kinds of stuff that was awesome um and um he brought on 
uh, he was like, I've got a surprise because there were rumours about like guests, special guests or whatever. And he's like, I've got a surprise for you uh, from the west coast of the US, our friend Dave Grohl. So Dave Grohl <laughs> came on and did, did two tracks with him. Awesome. And then he was like, I've got another surprise for you <laughs> <laughs> from the east coast of the US. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so, so Dave Grohl and Bruce Springsteen as well. And they were having a, a, a laugh. Cause they were having the time of their life because obviously Paul McCartney's their hero as well. Yeah. That's pretty that crazy. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw Wet Leg. Oh no, right, okay. Yep. So you went and saw yep. Chaise Long and then left? Yeah, I was on the Chaise Long, on the Chaise Long. Well, it was a good set. They got some good other songs, but yeah, that is the, the main one. That's those, the one. Yeah. Singles, yeah. And obviously they closed with, 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 with Chaise Long, so that was good. <laughs> uh, saw the Libertines as the first thing I saw oh, at 11am, wow. which huh. was... Cause at 11am, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was like, what is Pete Doherty going to look like? What state is he in? How fat is he? Whatever. And like, <laughs> how present like, is the cheese? Yeah. How present is he? And he came on and he, um, I mean, he performed pretty well. And then overall, I think it was a good gig, but he was, he was in a, like a big black robe thing with like a hood. He was like mm. Darth Doherty basically. <laughs> and he did look a bit worse for wear. Like he had a flat cap on under when he, when he took the hood off and uh, like very gray, gray hair before, before his time probably. But, but, but yeah. Whereas um, like uh, Carl Barrett looked like a rock star still or whatever, mm. not, not absolutely destroyed like, like Pete Doherty. But anyway, it was, re- it was really good to see them. Um, um, I think he was trying to, because there was like a video message from Vladimir Zelensky. Oh, not Vladimir, what's his name? Is it, oh God, I can't actually remember his first name now. I only ever remember oh. Zelensky. Yeah. And that it's... Vladimir. Vladimir, Sorry, okay, yeah. Vladimir Zelensky. Anyway, um, beforehand, and and then <laughs> I think it was hard to tell what was happening. I think... Um, uh, uh, I think Pete Doherty was trying to start a chant uh, to to the tune of Seven Nation Army, which is the, the universal <laughs> right, chant yeah. tune of Vladimirzelensky. <laughs> we tried to get the the crowd, the crowd was having none of it for some reason. Although, in fairness, they should have gone to the Kendrick gig, right? Yeah, because oh, they were all Kendrick singing. Lamar. Oh, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> that was coming from my section where I was. At the Kendrick gig. <laughs> I mean, I think, it, was, it was quite fun because I watched all that set on telly last night. Um, oh yeah, because it's like one of the few times BBC have decided to actually do some 4K stuff. Oh, okay. Um, so it was, it was cool. in 4K UHD and it's like, oh, this that's is, amazing. I better watch yeah. this. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was quite fun because obviously you'd hear the, oh, Kendrick Lamar starting. Yeah. And then it would, like, clearly the other half of the of the crowds then picked it up, but they were so out of sync that it would just be like, oh, yeah. oh Lamar, Lamar, <laughs> Lamar, oh. <laughs> it was, it's all wrong. It was, that was weird because he was hyping up the crowd and he was like, this side... Yeah, and, then, and then my side like made way more noise for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. Like the first, time, was like, the first yeah. side they always went to, they were like, way. And then the second way. side, so like, way. And then our side was like, way. And it's like, I like the good energy from this side. This <laughs> side's yeah. got some work to do. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that was cool. I wasn't, uh, I'm not, I gotta be honest, like, I, I, I like a bit of Kendrick here and there, but I, I, I kind of wasn't into the set, if I'm honest. Like, it wasn't, it didn't. I mean, I, I agree. It wasn't the fa- my favorite thing that I saw. I mean, I like him a lot, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's incredible his um, talent at being able to 
well, all of his talent, but being able to, the live talent is that it's so clear, mm. you know, what he's, what his flow and it's, and his enunciation. And I think it's absolutely amazing because a lot of rap gets quite lost live, I think. Sure. And yeah. you could, it, it was very impressive how, how you could hear what he was saying, basically. It was very cool. But I, I think uh, it lost I agree. a too, too much nuance in like, because his yeah. performance of it was all very like kind of the same tone like most of it like you know there are definitely songs where, where on the studio yeah. riddle track he does he raps them a little differently right yeah yeah and it's like he wasn't really doing it them any differently here it was kind of in but, a mode wasn't he yeah, yeah. kind of yeah so yeah i mean and also i was quite squashed for for kendrick it was fine yeah. but yeah it wasn't it wasn't as not nearly as good a place as for paul mccartney which is it was fine by me i think mm. I, if i was going to be in the best place for the headline it was it was for Paul McCartney. Billy Irish, I was quite far back as well, but that was still cool. She's tiny, obviously, yeah, <laughs> even yeah, running yeah. around the stage. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I kind of want to see that because I, I think I've seen it once be before. But like, she strikes me as a slightly strange one to do a live performance, right? Because yeah, of, because I mean, it of works. the softness of the tone and all that. It's like I quite honestly, I'd, I'd like to see how that carries. Yeah. I mean, they made it work, and it was good staging and everything. And um, she's very, well, incredibly charismatic. But like, um, uh, she's only really got two albums worth of stuff, mm, so yeah. she, they play most of her tracks. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, yeah, which is cool compared to Paul McCartney, which is just like ridiculous, ridiculous, obviously. Um, but even Paul McCartney played um, some Abbey Road stuff that I don't. He claimed had never been perform live before like he did you never give me your money uh, and she came in through the bathroom window which from abbey road which is amazing track and apparently never done live so mm. that was really really cool um yeah um so yeah that was really good yeah it was it was how'd, super cool how'd you get on with camping with camping camping that was fine. I got, I always worry about it beforehand, being like, "Oh God, it's going to be annoying." Um, but it's actually it's it's totally fine because uh, it's so it's you know it's light until quite late, and mm. um, uh, it doesn't get that cold. I mean, it gets cold at night, but like it's, it's like it, no, it's no, it was a pretty toasty weekend in general, wasn't it? So yeah, and it did rain a bit, but not not enough to dampen anything. It didn't create any mud or <laughs> not anything. Not full mud, yeah. No, and the tent. I got, we got quite cheap tents, and they just they held off. It's like you. It's amazing how fast you adapt to like a completely different circumstance. Like, it was fine. I mean, obviously, it was good to have a shower today <laughs> when I got back. But like, you just get. I don't know. You just get used to it quite quickly. Um, the hardest part is just stand. Is trying to when you get a good place is standing standing in one place for ages and not being yeah. able to have a rest. I and think that, that would that, really. That does, I mean that that bothers me most times. Like just seeing one band, let alone like loads. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not. I'm, I'm just not good with just standing around playing. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but I mean it is a big. It's a bit different standing in a big crowd of people getting excited than it is just standing sure, <laughs> you sure. know, yeah, in a yeah. shop or something uh, but yeah <laughs> in a queue for EGX yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean there's a lot of queues uh, in queuing for food and queuing for yeah for the loo and queuing for water um, uh, yeah but it's it's fine you just get used to it there's so many people it's insane 200,000 people mm. on, on one farm um, the crowds are a bit ridiculous but 
managed to get to the right places and managed to hear that the secret Jack White gig uh, on a small stage. The thing about the park, the park stage where he played is like there's no, it's small enough that there aren't there aren't screens on either side of the right. stage for for people to see further back. So you basically just have to be in there. Hmm. That's where I saw Wet Leg as well. Um, uh, but I managed to peg it up there and in, in time and go to you know get in the crowd for the previous act, which was actually cool. Um, it's like Caroline Polacek or something. Um, uh, but yeah, I got to see Jack White, which is awesome because you're never going to see him on such a small stage right, yeah, like yeah. now because he'd be in a huge you know thing now. So managed to get you're never going to get for that a, close for, to for him. on planned gigs anyway. Like yeah, yeah so exactly. What was, what was the clue to this one? Because they didn't really like. Isn't that the whole deal with the park stage? They didn't really no let they, on it's what not was the, happening. It's not the stage. It's just there's certain slots of TBC on the. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, on not very many. Um, but it was like printed in the in the like on Glastonbury site newspaper in the morning that day. I think oh, I that see. was that's what confirmed it. Yeah. Um, so oh, then sorry. the news spread so, really quickly. So it wasn't quite as skunk works as as the BBC made it out to be, right? No, it's not. No, it's not that secret. It's not that secret. I mean, the the problem with the secret acts is that you get rumours that are false, which mm. is annoying. Like there was a rumor that like Green Day were going to play the BBC introducing Ten, which is really oh, right. small. Yeah, uh, but they, they didn't. You know, and there's a bunch of weird rumors uh, because uh, after Paul McCartney had you know insane guests like Bruce Springsteen, there were like rumors that like Kendrick would bring on like Eminem or something like that. You, you see, um, so I was sort of expecting that, right? Like again, yeah, that was sort of one of the things I was sort of looking for. I think in the Kendrick thing, just to spice it yeah. up like most acts will do something a little more what's the word i'm looking for live i guess like yeah you know, they'll have, they'll have band he... elements or they'll have live elements or they'll have like this was clearly like a like a, a full routine right it was a show yeah, yeah exactly and, uh, it was a show with um, a with a theme and uh yeah pretty much and but yeah it was the same with billy eilish like she you know it was focused on her and paul mccartney's quite quite unique and different in that way i think um, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. There's um, an element of like I, I kind of think that most of the time that is what you're going to these things for, right? Right? You want that little, you want. Uh, I, I mean, the know. surprises. You, you, were, yeah, were you, cool. you don't, you don't, yeah. you don't necessarily want the script. You want the. Yeah. Um, you want it raw. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy when Bruce Springsteen came on stage. <laughs> sure, I did yeah. not expect that. Um, yeah, um, and there was some like. Greta Thunberg like spoke to to us. To, to, I was before Haim. I was in the crowd for Haim, and mm. she, she she gave a speech. So that was kind of cool to see her. Haim or Haim? I think it's Haim. You're right. Okay, it's like Jewish, isn't it? Haim. I think it's Haim. Haim. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, they were cool, but yeah, don't um, mind a bit Haim. Yeah, <laughs> and Noel Gallagher was like. Uh, you know, played his high flying birds tracks, and then it was like, right, I'm going to play a few more of these that you don't give a shit about. <laughs> and then after that, f- fuck me, man, <laughs> you're going to get some bangers. Uh, yeah, and just transitioned into just into just um, you know Oasis for the rest of the set. Oh, that's quite funny. It was cool. He just said what everyone was thinking or whatever and made it made a good joke out of it. It was cool. Oh, that, but there's yeah. nothing wrong with I like I quite like I flying birds stuff. Yeah, no, some of it was good, but it wasn't yeah, it was it, you know it doesn't quite hit knew. the crowd, right? Yeah. It's not as well yeah. not as well known, but 
Well, exactly. And he was like basically warming up for Paul McCartney. And if sure. he's going to warm up for someone in the whole world, it's Paul McCartney, his hero, right? <laughs> um, Better drop some bangers. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so an hour-long Jack White set with some with some classic White Stripes stuff in there. Ball and Biscuits. Oh, you know, nice. Hotel Yorba, um, Dead Leaves. Um, yeah, I mean, the the, yeah. the BBC only showed the um, the end basically, where oh, he was okay. playing Lazaretto and obviously Seven Nation. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. That was the only like moshy thing I was in in the whole festival. <laughs> right. most, of, most of the crowds are not like that, but when Seven Nation Army came on and it was such a small stage, it was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> getting, off. Yeah, getting you could definitely off. see that in the footage. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's oh, cool. Because waiting for that, because I was on my own for that, because uh, Gary had gone off to see, I don't know, he wanted to see Diana Ross and, and whatever, Elbow and stuff like that, which I wasn't interested <laughs> in. As How many much. times yeah. has Elbow done Glastonbury, honestly? I'm really not an Elbow fan. I'm sure they're very good, but I don't like them very much. No, well, they've, got like, they've got like two songs that everyone knows, and then, yeah. and then the rest shrug. The thing I always find with that throw your curtains wide one or mm. whatever it is, is it sounds exactly the same as Hey Jude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's going for that vibe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I thought it was clever with Paul McCartney how, like, I suppose this is just what he does now, but, like, you've got Let It Be and Hey Jude, and it's like, well, you can't, you, you know, do you pick one or, you know, but what he did was he did Let It Be and then... Live and Let Die, and then Hey Jude, which is quite clever, like split it up with the insanity. Yeah. So, yeah, bangers successful. Bangers after bangers. <laughs> bangers after bangers. Oh, and I saw Robert Plant as well. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, and he did When the Levy Breaks as well, so that was cool. And, and Rock and Roll, so a couple of Led Zeppelin tracks. But yeah, Robert Plant, Paul McCartney, <laughs> freaking Bruce Springsteen. Ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Glastonbury review. Good, good. <laughs> good, good. Good. Good, good. The best the best kind of performance like act was actually St. Vincent. I really was excited okay. to see her and she was great. Yeah, I like like um really putting on a like a show and so that's cool. So catch that and that was visually quite fun. So catch that on iPlayer or whatever. I think you can look up most of the most of the stuff on iPlayer now. I think there's a reasonable quantity. Yeah. I don't know yeah. quite how they've I haven't looked into in detail into how they've organised it. I've only sort of caught like I was basically juggling between what their highlight show was and a few things on iPlayer and whatever was on. They were running it on both BBC One and Four, I think. Right. Yeah. So they had a couple of things going, and I was sort of juggling between the two. And then they said the, the Kendrick stuff was available on in 4K, and I'm like, right, right, right switch to iPlayer. I'm off. Let's watch that. Let's yeah. watch the end of the AJ Tracy set. Um, <laughs> The thing, the thing about Glastonbury is, like, I'm there for all the bands, and that's what you get on TV. That's that's what I care about. But a lot, of, a lot of people are not even there for that stuff. Like, I know there's like the hippies; they go to like the healing fields or so, and then the green. Which we looked around and stuff, but but then a lot of people go for like like dance music stuff, like Arcadia sure. or whatever, yeah. raving stuff, and they go and they um, like the people in the tent next to, next to us were like. Um, 
that we were like, did you see Paul McCartney? And they were like, no, we got too drunk and ended up in the rabbit hole or whatever it was until. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's what you want to do. I mean, it's expensive to get the ticket and to not see Paul McCartney, fair enough. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you're having a good time, then, then you do you. There's so much going on. It's ridiculous. I and mean, a lot of people go, like you go out, out after the, after the end of the gig, uh, after the end of the acts at like midnight or whatever. Um, I did that like once, but like I'm not doing that every night. It's I was ridiculous. about to say, yeah, it's not, it doesn't strike me as you really want to do that necessarily. Well, some people do. Too, it's just going to be so much effort. Like, surely, like, then you're like, I know. not up to see anything in the like the next day. I know exactly. Uh, I think some people sleep in a little bit, but like it gets so light. But like the bands don't start until like eleven, twelve. You could miss the first few, so you could easily party until like five in the morning or something, and then sleep for like six hours or something like that. Where would that where would that put you? Like eleven, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough. Yeah. Even be po- in a tent. <laughs> yeah, well I wasn't doing that. I was, <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to bed at like whatever, two, two or three. And then uh, and then yeah. It's it's amazing. Like you don't I I haven't slept that much, but I don't feel that that bad for it, to be honest. It's it's mainly the legs from the stand from the standing mm. still for long periods in the crowd waiting. That's the main that's the main thing. But it's worth it to get a good a good spot. I I think like some people like they settle for further back or whatever. And I'm like I don't. I would hate I hate people who push forward. Obviously, it's oh annoying, yeah, yeah, but yeah no, you, it's the absolute worst. It's the worst. But if you can pick your way forward, then I think it's just being closer is just always better. Just sure, always. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I was lucky enough to get close for for some good stuff like Jack White um, so I was very pleased yeah that's cool crowd shovers uh, my... they're always they're... there no matter where you are I know. They, they, matter... they make a beeline for you <laughs> yeah exactly and it's, it's kind of the reason I just don't enjoy concerts like primarily it's like I normally have a oh, fair enough yeah. time like once everything's settled and all that but I just that is so frustrating yeah. if you so hate that frustrating. stuff because uh, I can tolerate it, but like, if you hate that stuff, you're going to have a bad time. Like, I know. I know it's it's that, just irritating because yeah. it's like it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it irritates me as much as it does. No, it's totally it's, understandable. It's, yeah, but I, it's I think it's a, like it's an unnaturally like angry reaction from me. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's it's like it's the Excuse most un- me, mate. Well, no, it's like it's the most un-British thing in the world, right? It's like queue jumping almost, isn't it? It's like yeah. standing in line for something for hours and then someone just like like just goes, oh, just all right, mate. Do you mind if I? Except there's not even that, right? Most of the time, it's just like fist first, <laughs> like just exactly. I mean, like, the you worst get, is like you need to get deep into like some hardcore punk clothing and just cover yourself in spikes. <laughs> no, yeah. Right, be so spiky that they can't come near you. <laughs> but then you have to be careful, like dancing around. <laughs> You're not going to spike everyone around you. I mean, or do, I mean, or do you literally plant yourself? Right, you get a, you take you carry a camp chair with you and just sit. Like, oh, people well, do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure, and then and stand people up just when sitting the on the floor starts. as well. Yeah, people sitting on the floor in these massive crowds. I don't know how. Like before Kendrick, I was like, "Well, this area has people sitting down, so there'll be more space when they stand up." You know, for the gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just crowded in around them, and they were just still sitting on the floor. I don't know. I don't know how they didn't get, you know, kicked and stuff. But they probably did. Probably did. The worst is though. Like, I don't actually mind if they if they barge their way past you. Um. You know, as long as they keep going and get and go away. Oh, yeah, but if yeah, they yeah. Bar, if they barge all the way up to you, you and then stop so right in because, front of your face, because then you're like, you're, you're, I feel yeah, you're probably you're like inclined to just glare at them for the whole time, just being like, you tit, 
I've got you fucking wank. <laughs> just the entire time. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. And that was the, uh, actually, that was the trick for Paul McCartney was, um, the, and the trick in general, I suppose, is the main stage uh, has um, a crowd break, like a metal strip in like an arc, um, not that far back from the front, um, where like security people walk up and down the the, um, the sort of grass strip in between mm. these metal barriers. And so either you can be on the inside of that kind of arc and then you're a little bit, you're protected by the crowd break, I guess, from everyone cr- coming in from behind you. But then if you're on the outside of it, then obviously there's a gap. So you can be up against the, the, the fence, the barrier, and get a good view from there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're basically, it's like a second front. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so that's where we were. Yeah, that, make, that makes some sense. That's a decent yeah. idea. Yeah, so that works. Uh, I learned that trick the first time around. So that worked well. Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Anyway, is this a music festival review podcast? No. <laughs> Nay, sir. Nay, it is in fact a podcast about video games. We've just taken a while to get there. We just meander through... Through, through what's been going on. Meandery. Yeah. I don't know if there was any video game music uh, played or any bands <laughs> that were in any games. Not that I can think of any. Can, I can't think of any segues, so we better go to the news. Well, you could say any sports game that has Seven Nation Army in, but there's a lot of them, I bet. Yeah. Do you I wonder, think? Well, I wonder if any of them have actually had that in their soundtrack. Like, maybe they only did I it the once. I guarantee that they have for several years. Yeah, maybe. Probably... I maybe they just have a to very it. large number of Maddens. <laughs> maybe maybe they just have to have it as like the crowd noise. Like, well, sure, like, maybe not the like, actual track. Yeah, but they probably have to still license it, right? Because they've got the crowd going. Da, 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 da. Yeah, probably. Or maybe not. Maybe maybe there's some kind of weird copyright. Like if it's if it's if the, the, if it's only made of a crowd chanting and there's no actual music mm. <laughs> then it's then it's not the same copyright it's non-copyrightable because it's just people making noise and it just happens to sound like that song yeah, it, <laughs> i guess like because you've reproduced it in media it probably counts as a cover probably some licensing required but then how do you deal with that if it's just like, what if someone who was making Madden just went to a football game and recorded it there? <laughs> oh, they wouldn't be able to use those, those sound effects, right? It's... Well, how else do you make that? How else do you get that sound effect in the game? Well, you, they, they would go and record it, but they wouldn't be able to use it unless they like had the rights to the track that was being... Yeah, but what if the... Yeah, but how... And like the only thing I like, I'm not sure about is like whether or not sort of things like away, 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 away. They're probably whatever the song that song is. It's like that's probably not copyrighted in any way. So you're probably all right. <laughs> Neither is probably dun 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 dun. England, <laughs> wherever that's from, or whatever the trumpets are doing when they go like all the other songs like yeah. I mean, um, I don't know if like any of the Fifas have like the Great Escape on there, like because that's clearly a song, right? And then the, and then if the crowd, yeah, do you have to pay the licensing? They probably don't do that. They're probably not in the game. 
Yeah, hopefully you're you missing, don't have to license. You're missing some England hooliganism ones. there. <laughs> yeah. Sports games. I don't know. I can't remember. What was the last sports game we played? FIFA 13? Yep, technically. <laughs> Why were you playing FIFA 13 back then? Because Rob had it. Well, because it came with my launch Xbox. My, ah, my, my 2013 Xbox day one, one X-Bone. X-Bone. Yeah, uh, it came with FIFA 13. And it's, whether I liked it or not, it was the same price as getting it not. So, you know. Right. Might as well. And so we ended up playing it. Because it was kind of fun. Because it's, really, it's a really hard game to play like with more than one person on the same team, <laughs> as it turns out. So having Nizak and Kippers try and play it in like three-player co-op was actually quite a good time. Yeah, that's cool. And then, I mean, like, we were doing it in the sort of career mode as well, which we were sort of managing. Who were we managing? Was it Ipswich? Yep. And, uh, yeah, having to deal with, like, the team management side of it and how ropey as much as that was. Yeah, it, as much as that even existed. Kind of is. Um, it was kind of funny. Uh, I'll tell you what, I have, I've got a little bit of a musical segue. We could talk about... Yuji Naka supposedly confirming that Michael Jackson wrote the music for Sonic 3. <laughs> I just read that he that then got unconfirmed. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the thing. Like, I'm pretty sure the whole Michael Jackson thing is kind of known at this point. That he, yeah, he, I thought he, it was like, known. He was involved. And his, um, yeah. uh, I forget, was it Brad something? Like, there, there was some other composer that Michael worked with like really closely and um, a few of the tracks from Sonic 3 were actually kind of like, a collab with Michael and this other guy. Um, uh, and, the, you know, a lot of people say, like, the, um, uh, what is it? Is it Strange, is Stranger in London, a, a Michael Jackson song? That, like, the chord progression from that is the same as the chord progression oh, okay. they used on the end sequence for Sonic 3, like the credit sequence. And I'm pretty certain the EU, ver- or the EU, the Europe version or the UK version of Sonic 3 actually had michael jackson in the damn credits like I, I distinctly remember seeing that when i was a kid and i finished sonic 3 for the first time and i was like oh holy crap that's michael jackson do you reckon that's the same michael jackson there no, can't be the same michael jackson well maybe one day we'll make a video of that because you yeah. know that's our that's our thing about making videos is we have to make videos of the weird versions of games like pc final fantasy 7 <laughs> well yeah so pc sonic 3 and knuckles well, see they might have see pc sonic 3 and knuckles is the one that doesn't have that's that definitely music. not because yeah. yeah like but that's why is... that's weird exactly that's actually weirder exactly yeah because they had to change the songs yeah that have been historically credited to michael jackson and his team right ice cap carnival night launch base yep and possibly the end credits like those were um those were the tracks that were credited to jackson and like all of those got removed and changed in the pc version of the sonic and knuckles collection hmm um, and replaced with like what was at the time terrible MIDI versions. I mean, they were pretty good MIDI versions, I mean, but they, they were MIDI versions. All of the songs were MIDI, yeah. <laughs> so they weren't any worse for being MIDI. They no. were just weird, weird songs. But like, apparently, Sonic Origins has had the same problem, right? The Sonic, the Sonic Three included in that is missing those songs, right? Completely. And what, are they replaced with the PC version songs or with something I, completely different? They, they're new, but I think they're sort of vaguely based off the PC reworks. Or, you know, the the what the changed version. 
so they're not they're not exactly the same again, but they're kind of based off what they had to change them to the first time. Surely, surely that itself just confirms that story. Yeah, <laughs> if, that, if that is know, the reason that it doesn't like, have it, it's, it's like, just because of licensing. It just has to be like whether it was Jackson or not. Like I guess is the big question. Well, it's like, but it, it's pretty clear that those four songs have, have have proven problematic for Sega since the since the release. Of I wonder Sonic why Three. though, because even if he was involved, like if it's uncredited, then how can there be a licensing problem? I mean, it's still whether you're credited or not, it's still yours, right? There must be like some but depends how, how that initial any deal kind of, was made. Yeah, maybe it's a secret deal. But how can you claim any kind of royalty or whatever if uh, if uh, if you're not credited on it? I don't know. I mean, that's IP law, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Don't really know. Speaking randomly of Sonic Origins, even though that's also going to come up later, I guess, but or now. <laughs> but, like, what do they do with CD's music? CD? I mean, C- CD's music was all made in-house, so there's no, yeah, but there's no problem there. The Europe versus US, but... Ooh, good question. Because um, the Sonic CD re-release they did on Xbox, like back in 2011, I want to say. Yeah. Um, they had both. Yeah. That's um, what I would expect. I'd expect it to be some kind of menu toggle. <laughs> It'd be like, you play it in the EU version. I'd be surprised if they don't, because it's, it's the same team, basically. Well, okay, it's not the same team. Christian Whitehead was the guy that went and did the Sonic CD version. and yeah. That's that whole story we've talked about yes. a billion times here, Sega picking him up because... He did a damn good job, and we're like, no, we want that. Um, but Headcanon are the guys that have been working on Sonic Origin, uh, who basically picked up Right Whitehead's work for with Sonic Mania. Yeah. Um, so there's lineage there, I guess. Um, I'd be very surprised if they didn't. Like, it's supposed to be the complete package. This thing. Well, right? yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be. <laughs> but news: Sonic Origins news. is having problems. Like, even oh, after right. launch, and even after it's ridiculous, like, <laughs> let's pay for character animations in the menu. <laughs> ridiculous DLC situation that they've got going on. Um, yeah, apparently, especially on PC, uh, Sonic Origins is not uh, not a good runner. Like, it can it can run... It can be oh my God. poorly performant, uh, and they're a bit unstable, and there are new bugs introduced to the game that were never there in the originals. Um, oh wow! I mean, that I can sort of believe that last one. Actually, it's like because it's like it's it's a ground up engine, right? It's like these aren't like using the right. old. These aren't emulations. These are like this is are running using on the main engine, engine effectively. Engine. Yeah, oh, it is okay. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so they are they are rewrites of the original games. Um, mm. uh, but a developer from Headcanon has basically been on Twitter sort of apologizing for Sega's piss-poor management. Because it seems like Headcanon, like, don't want the game out in the state it's in, but they had no choice in the matter. Like, a little bit of crunch came into play. Um, the game was rushed out to meet a launch date that was unshippable, uh, you know, that, they, that was, un, sorry, un, immovable um, on Sega's part. Um, when Sega then did their part of the the work to the package, something in integration added bugs to the gate to the to the code that <laughs> Headcanon had submitted to Sega. Uh, and since all the the bugs have come to light, like Headcanon have not been asked to return to the project to fix them. Oh, so what are you doing, Sega? <laughs> Weird, bad blood or something going on. It's just, it's just like 
incredibly poor management all round, it seems like. That's all. Hmm. Like they clearly needed wanted to get this out, I guess. Or like, or like, are they trying to cash in on, like, oh, God, it's too far away from Sonic 2, the movie. Like, it has oh, to come out. Oh, do you think? I don't know. Right. Like, well, where, when else are you going to put out this year if you've got Frontiers going later on? Yeah, exactly. You don't want another Mania yeah. Forces repeat. Uh, well, true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe they are Could a little happen. worried about that. I mean, yeah. But yeah, it's... it's The developer's not very, as I say, or at least this 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 one developer from Headcanon's point of view is that Headcanon aren't happy with how this... Uh, how this all went down, how this project happened. Mm. And they'd like to fix it, but do not have the opportunity to. That seems like a shame. It, it does, yeah. Yeah, I hope they get a chance to, yeah, solve it. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, shady management aside and pricing aside and delisting of old Sonic games, <laughs> Sonic re-releases aside. Sonic Origins on paper sounds like it's, you know, it's a decent enough thing, right? You know, there's, I have absolutely no I mean, problem fine. with them doing the like, rewrite of those old game engines to, to modernize them and make, you know, add 16 by 9 and all that stuff. It's, I guess. If it was, I mean, it's not that hard to play them, the original. Oh God, no, there's like a billion and one different yeah. places you can you can get them. Yeah. What was what's the quote that Giant Bomb said? It's like you're only ever two clicks away from a Sonic game on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's almost certainly true. <laughs> so yeah, Sonic Origins. Perhaps avoid it on PC, or you know, perhaps avoid spending what is it, twenty five quid on ancient right. ass Sonic games. Yes, until they're allowed to come in and fix it. The, yeah, yeah. Speaking very briefly of Frontiers, <laughs> yeah. a related Sonic story, because we talked about it last time, but I wanted to mention that pretty much immediately after last podcast, as IGN continued their more stuff about yeah. this game. They're like exclusive week. Yes, or their exclusive yeah. week or whatever of content. They showed probably the thing that they should have showed first, where it's just like, here's how it actually works. Here's a light of the game. Oh, right. <laughs> and oh. I was like, oh, this actually looks almost good. It was, was, was like the HUD turned on. No, it? the HUD still wasn't turned okay. on. But it was like, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't focus on just one thing. It was like, here's how it joins together. And, mm. and also things just slightly looked more finished, which then makes you wonder what the hell this other footage even was. Yeah, okay, like, <laughs> why would you? Why would Sega give them this apparently old-ass footage, maybe? Maybe they didn't have the quantity that IGN, like required but well they should have no- they must have known how much they would have needed because this deal must have been you know ancient <laughs> i mean there's this ign's fault is what i guess what i'm trying to say is like have ign like eked out this footage in a weird way Can't we, well i don't know like who would be making these decisions because yeah, I, mean, I don't know yeah the f- footage as, as far as people can tell from looking at like f- file data and whatnot is Sega's footage, so it's not okay. it's not an IGN person playing Sonic badly. Right, this right, is right. Sega playing Sonic badly, <laughs> and so it's their footage supposedly. But then, like the order of release could have been IGN's decision, I guess. Mm. 
or maybe the, some of the cut that's been done or perhaps some of the well because this this third video that i'd watched because you had the exploration video and the combat video and then this mm-hmm. third video which sort of just was well, it, it's labeled as sort of like a preview review like the ign guy had actually played the game and he was talking about it like he was reviewing it right except obviously it's not a review it's not a review yeah yeah because i listened to easy, easy allies have played it uh, right as yeah well. and so i listened to their take on it and uh but then this video was actually like, you know, clips. It was cut, okay. you know, it cut between different scenes and different things as he was talking about it. Mm. So it's like, where, where is this footage from? Yeah. I think in, in Easy Allies case, yeah, they, they had the same problem. They weren't, they, they haven't got any recording of their own. Yeah. They were just allowed to play it. Um, Cause I think that's the, the IDM guy said that as well. Like he, he wasn't actually allowed to play it himself, but he could watch an actual person play it. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I think mm. that's what he said. Mm. But I was I wasn't really paying attention to the words I was watching the video more in that case. But yes, this this video was like, wow, this looks way better than these other two videos. What the hell are you doing? Well, yeah, that was the take I took away from the Easy Allies discussion that they were saying, yeah, essentially this this game is better than it's showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still haven't shown you know anything apart from that green island area sure they haven't even shown the speculation speculated like other, other types other of zones. level and whatnot i think i i think they have alluded to the fact there will be other areas that it's not all just going to be scotland <laughs> i also like how this must have been a, something that sega said but like they were like oh there's a new en- new enemy you're going to fight against even though in the like as they're running around the green zone there's a couple of like obvious building type things that just have the Eggman logo on them. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, so there's wow. a new enemy, but fucking Eggman's still here. <laughs> I mean, Eggman's probably, like, helping this new enemy, as yep. he always does, right? Got to have Eggman Negger again. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Or past Eggman in, like, generations. I mean, I can't even remember what the bad guy in Forces was called, the weird sort of mouse hog thing. <laughs> what, Blue. wolf, dude? Was he a wolf? Yes. Don't you remember from Shadow's episode the ridiculous backstory of this guy who gets beaten up one time and then decides that he's going to become a bad guy? Funnily enough, no, I remember none of it. <laughs> Infinite is what he's called. Infinite, yeah, that's it. But he wasn't, like... He wasn't the bad guy. He was still just a, a minion of Eggman. Yeah. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> it was sort of, they were trying to do that sort of like, they've done it a few times, haven't they? Where it's like, it's a, it's a bad guy working with Eggman. Eggman started this whole thing, but the bad guy thinks he's better than Eggman, but still follows him to a point. Yeah, except Forces did it so badly that it didn't even resolve like that. No. If it just disappears at the end, pretty much. Pretty much. You beat him and then he's just like, oh no, and then he dies. Poof. <laughs> so anyway, that's I, bend, I bend reality to my will and I will it myself to poof off. Yep. <laughs> anyway, is that Sonic News again? Sonic News. Talk about the uh, Xbox and Bethesda showcase. Yes, I guess we have to because no, we haven't yet. <laughs> no, it's happened immediately after we re- recorded the last podcast. Um, yeah, so slightly delayed news, but slightly delayed news, but, but it's news. Um, well, I suppose in lieu of the fact we still haven't had a Nintendo no. Direct. But, but, okay, yeah. there's been something on Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but I'm not counting that. Well, yeah, individual game Directs don't count. <laughs> no. 
Uh, so yeah, Xbox did their thing. They had a reasonable amount to show, but I'm naturally only going to pick out a few things of interest uh, here. Um, first of which is not a game I'm all that interested in, to be honest, but Redfall was um, kind of touted as like, oh, it's their, one of their next bigger games, like which is the, the vampire Left for Dead thing. Um, not coming out this year. Nope, that got pushed. Um, which only ever make, only makes it seem all the more like out of place. <laughs> like even at the time, we were like, "Oh, everyone's fucking making Left 4 Dead ripoffs," and yeah, now yeah. they're going to be really late to making a Left 4 Dead. Like be late, late to the party. Um, <laughs> we did, they did go kind of deep on it as well, didn't they? Like showing off, yeah, like, what each character is about and what their, and their abilities, and it just looks like a Left 4 Dead game. It's like, like it's, it's not inherently bad, I suppose, no. but I think people kind of lost their hunger for it when they played Back for Blood and realised, oh, maybe we didn't want this after all. <laughs> also, Deep Rock Galactic exists, so, yep. you know, sod them all. Yep. <laughs> uh, so then we got uh, a new project from the creators of Rick and Morty. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, called High on Life. Uh, it seems it's a shooter, but all the guns have faces on them. That seems to be that face. game's whole thing. Yeah, the, the the back of the gun is just a face. It's like talking to you and the back, like riffing. the the stock, or yeah, kind of like, like you know, you got that where your hand is, and then there's the bit above your head, like I get the back of the barrel, I suppose. Right, just a, just a face. Oh, okay. The, gun, the guns are sentient. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fun concept. It's not like yeah. So this isn't it's a, not quite as extreme as the kind of gungeon concept, <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> I guess it's hard to really get a feel for it. You know, it's it's Rick and Morty humor, I suppose, just not with Rick or Morty. Um, yeah, uh, could be interesting. Um, I mean, I never actually really saw anything or gameplay wise or played it or got anywhere near it. Really, their their previous thing, which was Trover Saves the Universe, or Trover Saves the World, or something, which was another. The creators of Rick and Morty jaunt. Mm-hmm. Um, Did it do well? Or I don't know. Got no idea. Yeah, I I say, it's just sort it. of like yeah. I remember it being advertised, and it sort of disappeared. I didn't even realise it was out for friggin' ages. Like <laughs> one of those. Although the character design of Trover kind of always like it was just always like it's, I mean it's just too well, weird. Speaking way, of like, faces, like, just your know, faces, yeah, because his because his eyes had eyes, like. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, high on life. So they seem to have decided not to put things in holes, but put faces on things. Put faces on things, yeah. <laughs> That's their game design philosophy. Put face in <laughs> hole. Uh, I would be surprised if this and putting things in holes gameplay. Well, probably. Oh, absolutely. Hybrid, hybrid gameplay. I mean, that's probably how you reload those guns, right? You put put, things in holes, yeah, put, probably. Put, put things in a mouth-shaped hole on the back of the gun. <laughs> Almost, certainly. What if, yeah, that would be in keeping with their humour, I think. It's like, don't you put those anywhere near me? <laughs> uh, so we got a rather extended look at uh, a Forza Motorsport tech demo, essentially. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Showing off what this thing, uh, what the engine is now capable of. Um, the, the, it's them directly competing with Grand Turismo, I guess. Yeah, essentially. 
And like <laughs> pretty directly, actually, isn't it? Because Grand GT did this the same sort of presentation. Admittedly, it was a lot yeah. longer, wasn't it? They did something over like it wasn't the GT like a, a whole half hour state of play or something. Like mm. um, a good portion of it was this sort of thing. This is like was like a little five minute. Um, I say little, but it was like a five minute run through of the fact that they've got full day night cycle and and ray tracing in game and in game <laughs> ray tracing. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like um un- there's a little unknown around that stuff because it's mm. um uh they eff- eff- it they effectively confirmed after the event that this wasn't running on a series x this was running on pc um mm, this sure. demo but it was running on a pc targeting series x performance yeah um so it's a little unknown whether it'll actually be doing that that what was pretty impressive ray tracing at 60 frames per second. Um, yeah. uh, check out the Digital Foundry look at like what, how they think this is even possible to run because their, their theory is it's uh, they're doing full-on mirror rain tracing, which is a lot easier to do than kind of like... Uh, what do you call it? Like, like when the surface like isn't, isn't... Yeah, yeah, some kind of diffuse ray tracing. Like It's a lot easier to do. Um, mm. And that maybe that yeah, there's a, there's enough. I think you can get away with that on a car, a shiny car body, and then I suppose as soon as it gets any damage, you just t- don't ray trace. Turn it off, yeah. Anymore, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or you lay a texture on top where it's like where the damage is, like yeah. where the scratch is, and you just don't trace on that bit. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that looked looked real good, like. Um, there's some evidence that the variable rate shading was in use, um, you know, fully fully uh, polygonal trees <laughs> is always a thing that they like to see in racing games. Um, you know, full day night cycle um, with uh, proper lighting. It's it's a very impressive looking thing, um, and it got me kind of hyped. I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, okay, it's saying all the right things here. It sounds good. It looks good. It does everything a motor racing game should do. It's not coming out this year. Okay. It, it's, but when? Uh, they're still targeting spring of 2023. So um, mm, I guess okay. this is the first time we've actually heard a, a date for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hope had always been that it was going to be a late 22 game. Sure. Um basically just to fill out Microsoft's lineup because right, yeah. as it turns out, they haven't really got a lot for 22 anymore. Uh, almost everything has slipped. Um, yeah. So Forza Motorsport is one of those, unfortunately. It's, like, it's not, it's, it's not slipped by much, but it has slipped. So, um, but does it look good? Like, are you, do you want to play that? Oh yeah. hundred I mean, percent. I think it looks good. Yeah. I've been, I've been kind of like, kind of in, like wanting a motorsport game, like mm. because Horizon Four and Horizon Five have been back to back, right? They've they've followed each other. There hasn't been a motorsport game in the middle, and I haven't actually no. played a proper Forza Motorsport game with any, but you know, with any um, real putting any real time into it since five. So I and like mm. there's, so I effectively skipped six and seven. Yeah, so that's a very long gap. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of kind of jonesing for some. Proper track racing. Yeah, I think it looks very, very good. Um, If I had both systems, I, I don't know, you know, I'd rather play 
Gran Turismo or, or Forza, but I think Forza's very strong looking. Yeah, as, as I've always said about this, there's just always been something about how... I mean, GT's always always felt fine if I'm the only car on the track to me. Yeah, yeah. If I hit a wall if, or if I throw in another car and the illusion is gone, right, it becomes not a sim with collisions. It's, yeah. it's not its thing. Um, and whereas Forza, they, 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 even in these demos, they were emphasizing that it is part of racing and they have, you know, modeled all the damage and everything. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They they know so, that that's the key difference, and I'm I'm glad they lent into that. Yeah, because it's it that. is a differentiator, and it's For like sure. don't get me wrong, I actually kind of understand, and I've, I think over the years, like that, I, I mean, I still don't play Gran Turismo, but I kind of like get why they do what they do with the collision system, um, because they don't want a little nudge on the wall to be race ending. They don't want a um, car on car contact to spin you out. Mm. To, in order to keep the race competitive, I guess, and to be engaging the whole time. So it's not just like, oh, I made a mistake, restart, which is unfortunately the reality of, of mm. a lot of sim races or a lot of racing games in general. Um, Certainly would have been, be a bad time in a real car on a track. Sure, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so I get why they do that um, for gamey reasons, but uh, for whatever reason, I've just never really been into it. Um, Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's, but you, there's Forza, so there's Forza. Yeah. See, I never. There was a. There's also like the bit that like annoys me a little bit because now I know that like my Series X is more powerful than my PC, right? It's like there's a there mm. is a draw to just playing it on that and playing it on a controller, like because I, I could have played Horizon Five on my PC. I could have done that and got the wheel mm. out and everything and played it that mm. way, but I didn't. <laughs> I played that. I mean, thing. I do do feel like Horizon probably suits. Well, I'm I, I, sorry. I mean, non not mainline Forza probably suits a wheel. Yeah, more than Horizon. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so it might be worth giving it a try. I'm not going to be able to get ray tracing on stuff and stuff on my PC as it stands at the moment, or any of all the yeah. all the yeah. really yeah. fancy stuff. But uh, yeah, maybe this will get this will bring me to get the wheel out again, just to see. But if it's on, will it be on Game Pass? Can you just play it on both? Or yeah, should be able to. Yeah, so then you won't be restricted, is, right? That is usually the deal because I ended up playing Horizon Four on PC via Game Pass, mm. and uh, although they did announce um, some, uh, you know, skipping sequence a little bit here, but they, they did announce some some DLC for Horizon. They're going back to Hot Wheels. Oh yeah, and Horizon Three Hot Wheels was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that was quite fun. So, um, yeah, it's it's good to see that they're doing that. Bit of a shame they're still not including their DLC packs uh, for Forza Horizon on Game Pass. You you because they didn't do that with Horizon Four on the Lego pack, um, mm. which I really wanted to try, but never couldn't quite bring myself to actually pay for that DLC. Um, because a bit of me was just like, like well, pretty much every other thing that Microsoft do on Game Pass, they throw like a lot of the a lot of the add-ons come thrown in. Not yeah. everything, like some of the car passes, for instance, in Horizon. I could probably say like, that's fine. You you want you want you need people to pay for those. That's fine. You do that. Um, but I think of games like 
um, Gears of War, for instance, where they 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 had their little mini campaign add-on, uh, and that was all totally free. Um, and you know, and yeah, pretty much, pretty much any. I can't really think. I can't really think. I'm thinking of Sea of Thieves and games like that that I suppose have to expand. Like you can't really make those paid for because that's the nature of those games. But it's just kind of it just feels like that's Game Pass's gig, right? You get those games and you get everything that comes with them. Um, so yeah, the fact that this is paid DLC is a little disappointing. But hey, Hot Wheels is back. <laughs> uh, Overwatch 2. We now know a little more about it. Yeah, what is the deal? I never quite understood. So, <laughs> yeah, they made it quite confusing for themselves, right? When, it, when Overwatch 2 was first announced, they kind of said it was effectively going to be like a like a like a graphical update and Overwatch 1 was still going to run um and be kept in parity with 2 in terms of things like balance and some of the content um but Overwatch 2 was effectively going to open up into a more some more single and co-op uh, experiences uh, like you know PvE stuff and that was the direction they were going to take that uh they went very quiet on that after saying that, and that's never really come back as a thing. Uh, and this, the news about Overwatch 2 that's come out uh, basically confirms all of that. Overwatch 2 is going to replace Overwatch 1 um, to the point where Overwatch 1 will die. Right, fully die. Fully yeah. die, yeah. They're going to shut it down um, and and require you to have Overwatch 2. The good news is Overwatch 2 is going free to play. Oh, okay. So it because Overwatch 1 is dying, that doesn't mean that you're losing. Um, because Overwatch 2 will just take over. Yeah, so you paid for Overwatch 1, you've had your you've you've got your money's worth. Now Overwatch 2 take the, the, you know, replaces it, but it's free for everyone. Exactly. So you don't have to pay yeah. anything new and neither does anyone else. No. I don't know if they've said like whether or not the the any of the skins or any of the stuff like that from the first game will carry over. Like, a, like, <laughs> well, that'd be a real dick move if they were like all these skins that you've got in Overwatch One. You have to buy them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they haven't really said whether like they've all been made for Overwatch Two, well, right? Because it's like they're, they're, yeah, if they're not going to have any parity required any longer, then they don't have to have the, all the same skins again. Yeah, because while it still looks like Overwatch, there are differences, right? Like the the, the the lighting and the way the graphics actually work looks a little bit different. The character models have been changed a bit and things like that. So I guess if they were going to redo, like bring back all of the skins and stuff like that, they've got to redo them all with these like with these slightly new models and things like that. It's, it's probably not that easy an undertaking. But it would feel like a bit of a dick move if they didn't. Hey, there's a beta in October. That thing might actually come out this year. Mm, maybe. <laughs> it might come out. A <laughs> uh, little shout out to a game called Ara. A-R-A. Um, Ara. Simply because I thought it might be vaguely interesting to the two of you because it looks like Microsoft might be attempting to get in on the civilization space. Really? Um, yeah, it's a it's a strategy game in that vein um, of hmm. Civ and well Sega's recent uh, 
attempt uh, humankind, which is apparently pretty good. Um, like 4X or whatever, but not space. <laughs> not space 4X, yeah, the sort of board game 4X that, that yeah. I guess that I guess is known for. Hmm. And it's called Ara. Okay. Ara, yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, just just, just the fact that Who's, that exists. So what's, what's the studio then? Is someone uh, in Microsoft or? Don't know. Like I haven't looked into okay. it in that much right. detail. Okay. But, um, Uh, but yeah, one to pay attention to if you're into cool that. To have competition in that space. Exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like, yeah, like Civ's kind of been on its own for so long on that front, and now we've got two other products competing with it. Mm. Well, and all the space ones. <laughs> and the space ones. <laughs> yeah. If you're oh, yeah. not allergic to space, like how? <laughs> what? Like, when you, like, you're talking about Alpha Centauri? Like, what are we talking about? Like, like, like what other? Stellaris like, and the Endless Legend and. <laughs> I think we have the same sort yeah. of thing. Oh, okay. I thought Stellaris was more of a more of an RTSE sort I of thing. I think Stellaris might actually be the closest to see out of all of the oh, really? space versions of it. Hmm. Is that the one we played? No. No? Was that Solaris? You might be thinking of Sins of a Solar Empire. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking of, yeah. <laughs> it's a different game entirely. That's yeah. RTS. Yeah, okay. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh... Pentiment. I just like saying pentiment. <laughs> that's a good that's a good word. Pentiment. Uh, Are you penitent? No, I'm pentiment. I'm pentiment. Uh, Obsidian are making a point and click adventure game, like with medieval art, kind of like Monty okay. Python, I suppose. That do you remember what I liked about Rock of Ages <laughs> and that that sort of like animation y stuff? This this, this game is that. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. I don't think they've quite gone hard enough on that stuff. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's all looked a bit too restrained. <coughs> well, restrained and also like they didn't quite lean into making it jank. <laughs> like if you're going to animate that like <laughs> medieval tapestry style uh, looking art, I think you should make it real low frame rate jankiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, very, very Pythony. Like, it, yeah. like, like it literally was like cut out and like a bit stop motiony, I suppose. Yeah. But still, it looked like they were leaning into a sort of comedy angle with it, anyway. So, um, uh, I don't imagine it to be a big release or no, anything like that. Uh, it's probably not. Um, I mean, it's not that Elder Scrolls game that Obsidian are supposedly working on. That's not an Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> Pentiment. Then <laughs> uh, Kojima announced that he was going to announce a thing in collaboration with Xbox Game Studios. That is all we know. It's in Kojima Productions. Kojima just, Productions, yeah. yes. Hideo okay. Kojima himself okay. revealed himself and said, I'm working on a thing with Xbox. After being a kind of Sony... Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sony helped fund Death Stranding. Right, And, I yeah, get, and yeah. got Kojima Productions in touch with Guerrilla Games because Death Stranding wouldn't have been made without Guerrilla Games and, mm. their, um, and, the, and the Decimer engine. <laughs> and, right, so, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting because like they've they haven't announced what they are working on yet, um, Kojima Productions, but it's it's been 
rumoured that it's effectively a Death Stranding 2. Um, mm. So is Kojima playing both sides right now? Are they actually doing two projects? How big is this Xbox project, right? Is Death Stranding the one they're really working on? And is this Xbox thing actually just like some little weird indie offshoot? I don't know. Who knows? I can't imagine Kojima making a little weird like mini title. It would have to be like some kind of epic with where every knife glints with lens flare. <laughs> right, yeah, of course. <laughs> It's like every Metal Gear Solid Five trailer, wasn't it? Like every every single like well, knife glinted like every, ridiculously. Every cinematic in the game is like that. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, not every cinematic, but a lot of them. It's like it even slows down time a little bit just to make sure you get the full impact yeah. of the glint. Man, Metal Gear Solid Five was such a. I think it's a great game, but it's so weird and it's so flawed, and it's so. Don't even know. I don't know. It doesn't even, and it doesn't even have quite the same, you know, as the as previous Metal Gear games in terms of. I don't know. It's got its own weirdness. I think on top oh, of yeah, everything yeah. else. And it's not finished. Yeah, and it's like an un, It's a massive, but unfinished game. Well, not massive, but it's it's a pretty big, long game. Oh, yeah, considering yeah, yeah. it's half finished. Yeah, I think they just pulled the plug on them on the money to because it was way over ambitious Konami did the Konami and got out of games <laughs> yeah I mean they got out of game and it was a good game and a lot of people bought it I mean you know it's probably a good yeah that's the frustrating yeah. thing right yeah in terms of in terms of business they probably made the right call <laughs> yeah anyway and it kind of made because he obviously they, it was all bad and whatever but he started because he reaction and made Death Stranding but like that it, I know they got the money from Sony and 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 the engine from Guerrilla Games and everything, but it did force him to reduce scope <laughs> in comparison. Yeah, so it did work. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see what budget Microsoft gives him. I mean, Death Stranding is still an insane game, right? Like, there's no. Oh yeah. It's ins- no, no and it's it's insane, but it's not doesn't have the the grand scope of of Metal Gear Solid Five. I mean, it's got Mads Mikkelsen in it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's how mad it is. It's got mad in it. Get more mad. Well, I hope he's back Get for mads. whatever this. Yeah, Get more mads. Add well, the mads. Although I think they actually managed to write him out of Death Stranding in his storylines. Like, spoilers. Um, so it'll probably be unlikely we'll see him again. Oh. Will we get Guillermo uh... del Toro? That's the other question. Right. I hope they get Werner Herzog for the next one. That would be good. <laughs> he, he was great at the Mandalorian. That would be pretty funny. Um, almost want to see this this latest Harry Potter thing, even though I haven't seen the previous ones, just because it's got Mads Mikkelsen this time. Didn't they replace Johnny Depp with like Mads Mikkelsen? Oh, I, di- I didn't know who they replaced think, him with. I knew they had, but like, I think it's him. That, that's a pretty good pick, if that's true. Anywho, Kojima did Kojima. Uh, do we want to talk about Starfield at all? Do we uh, really want to? 
Uh, one thing I liked about Starfield is there's just a stupid thing that I like. I like it when a drop ship, you know, my favorite things mm. or whatever, a ship comes into land and it actually looks like it has some momentum and like the thrusters are actually pointing. I hate like or pointing down dro- and having to work yeah. against gravity. Yeah, or, or, but also not just gravity, but also like, you know, it's it's forward momentum as well. Mm. You know, it actually lands like a spaceship and all the spaceships landing in Starfield looked like they were actually landing properly, which I hate it in, in um, I don't know, I hate it when I can see that like a, a phantom dropship in, in Halo is on like a path movement and it doesn't have <laughs> right, any, you know, yeah. in the sky. Um, yeah, so that was one one thing I really liked in Starfield was it looked, they, 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 when the when the spaceships were landing, they look they look good. They have a, they have a nice floaty path movement. Although I wonder how that will work with your custom made spaceships. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. But it looked like it would, right? Like, because uh, all of them had like big like thruster um, kind of pods. Sure, but the, I mean, the like the question is really like how how much like what are the requirements of the customization system do they like take that into account Does, yeah, do you, you have, have to like have the, amount, the correct amount of thrusters facing the correct directions to make right. a functional ship probably not no I mean, probably not it doesn't it's not quite it's not exactly Kerbal Space Program but like uh, <laughs> it looked cool though I like the ship customization it's a fun concept obviously the thing it lacks that you know it, it is, that is you know the, the transition from from planet to space that you can get in No Man's Sky or whatever. It doesn't have that, right? Well, well they haven't shown it. They didn't show it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they'll do that. I don't. Uh, even now, they still can't do it, I reckon. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I was just a little bummed that they opened the game and it was just a generic shooter, right? Like, I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure what I was expecting, but... When I saw Fallout, <laughs> it was a little bit like, oh, oh okay, it's a Bethesda yeah. game. Well, it is, yeah, it's a Bethesda game. I mean, yeah. And that was all I was looking for in that whole Starfield presentation was like, how much Fallout is here? Well, it's like, can I detect whether they're still using the same engine or not? Right, yeah. <laughs> and there was one moment where, like, the, they, they're in third person and the character is walking down a slight slope, and I'm like, oh, that looks like, that looks like the Fallout animation engine of how he walks down that slope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think I think the thing that did it for me was like when they when they first see those creatures on that moon like planet and the way they go over that ridge. Yeah, they like sort of sort of yeah, that's, over. That's kind of the oddly. same scene. Yeah, and I guess that is like the same thing. Where it's it's very, like a very old school looking animation there. Yeah, that's where I was like, oh, <laughs> is this still the same fucking engine? <laughs> but apart from that, it looked fairly reasonable. I mean, it looked basically just like No Man's Sky, but slightly prettier. Because <laughs> they even did, like, I mean, they mines style. them, yeah. like, iron out of the wall with his yeah, mining yeah. laser, and, and then he goes and does some kind of naff-looking combat. It's like, oh, this is just No Man's Sky. <laughs> and then you get a ship, you take off, you fly around in the asteroids and shoot things. Yeah, you need some, some space combat. <laughs> but then, then they're actually, then they... So the, the other things they said about it were like, hang on a minute, this is just fucking Star Citizen before... It's going to come right, out before yeah. Star Citizen and totally right. just steal all of their hype because they're doing the exact same thing where it's like, oh, you can land anywhere on this entire planet and it, it's all fully rendered and, and not as procedural ass as, as No Man's Sky looks, maybe. No Man's <laughs> maybe, Sky. yeah. Because they did 
Was it they did that thing, didn't they, at the end of it, where it's just like, and we've made all these planets, yeah. and you can visit every single one of them. And I'm, and then uh, I'm immediately like, I mean, do I have to explore every single right. one of them? I, I yeah. hope not. And well, I mean, there'll be like one actual, like, it'll be like the drop, like the Mass Effect missions, where it's just like, here's the four points on the map that you actually need to go through, yeah. and the rest is just garbage. <laughs> but then they got me, yeah. like, yeah. there was an immediate, like, Concern. I, I forget who wrote it. It was probably a Kotaku article where they, they were like, Starfield looks too big. And I'm like, yeah, I feel that. I don't think so, really. I mean, it's, like, if you consider it as, like, one location per planet, probably. Probably. Or maybe two or three, right? I, I think on some planets. Well, yeah, isn't on it? Some of them. But then, it like, isn't just, like, every planet is one city type thing, which is the classic. Right. Oh, and then, of course, the other way you could tell this this is, if not the same engine, at least a Bethesda game. They have the, the Bethesda talking to people. <laughs> Here's your face cam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, that's still not, that's still the same. <laughs> they are centred in the frame, just staring at you. <laughs> in fairness, Obsidian did as well in Outer Worlds, right? Mm. Well, then I guess Obsidian did that in one of the Fallout games they made. Well, I mean, <laughs> was, like, that, was that intentional even yeah. in their case? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it looks f- fine, I guess. Uh, I it I'm, looks better than I was imagining it was going to. I think that's the thing. It, it looks fine. Does it Does it look like it's for me? I'm not, I'm not sure. No, I mean, like, um, when they... I'm thinking less about the combat which is probably the problem because it's probably going to be a lot of that combat yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. <laughs> what, like where's the vats well but that's the trouble really because like if you think, think back to fallout 3 where the game basically didn't really actually have a, sh- a like shooting engine it was all vats yeah. and then fallout 4 they tried to make a shooting engine and vastly toned down the vats but they they made like a barely functional shooting engine so now we're at this where it's like have they succeeded in making a like decent it's funny because they own freaking id software well <laughs> yeah. in the in the gameplay footage in starfield they very specifically show him switching to like a double barrel shotgun and it basically has the exact same reload animation as the doom one, the doom <laughs> one. And i'm like oh <laughs> Have you just stolen this from somewhere? <laughs> space Marine, yeah. I mean, um, the space guns feel good. I didn't think they looked like they felt good. They the ones just, that they I mean, fired. they just look like guns. Like, mm. Well, they didn't look like they had very much impact to them, mm. which was also a problem in Fallout 4. Fallout 4's shooting had very little impact to anything, even when you're firing, like, AKs or whatever. <laughs> imagine that could be potentially just a problem in general they were like shooting in space well you don't know what atmosphere that had <laughs> yeah <laughs> that you know very rarely does do space games actually bother to care about that kind of thing sure <laughs> actually make it so like it would be pretty cool if it was be like this type of gun doesn't work on this planet because it doesn't work in this atmosphere <laughs> do <laughs> something right, else yeah. <laughs> Or it acts completely differently because of the atmosphere. Need to use a gun that works on the mass effect. Yeah. I would rather just have a... a, I was going to say I would rather have just another mass effect game than than Andromeda one, obviously, but another Bioware mass effect. Just make a mass effect Uh, four. You're in luck. I would rather have that. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, they but, haven't said yeah. that it's going to be an Andromeda two. In fact, I think they're actually suggesting that it probably isn't going to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they'll learn from their mistake. I mean, they have done the process of remastering all the original ones, so maybe mm. they'll learn a few things from doing that. <clears throat> but yeah, well, who knows whether they're going to be forced into using Frostbite again? Because you know that is oh, yeah. that is supposedly what is blamed on most of that that game's troubles. Maybe. I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it is a maybe. Yeah. Like, there is definitely a technical problem with Mass Effect Andromeda, but oh, for sure. But there were other problems so as well. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't like the concept of Andromeda at all, of, of like the arc ship to the to a new galaxy. But I suppose it was because they wrapped up the, the only thing they could do because <laughs> they screwed up the Milky Way basically. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, with the end of the trilogy. Yeah. But I just mean in terms of, yeah, yeah. I'd, rather than a Bethesda RPG in space, I'd rather have a, a Bioware RPG in space like, like I like. With some solid storylines. Not, not that they have bad storylines in, in Fallout and Skyrim, especially Fallout, right? Well, I guess. Although, of course, the problem with the Bethesda RPG games is that like you're getting a tiny snippet of main story for every like 30 hours that you're actually just yeah. dicking around yeah. in a million side con yeah side that's contents. quite different yeah whereas Mass Effect 2 you're like <laughs> mainlining it basically yeah, it's all good it's all good stuff pretty yeah. much uh, Mass Effect 1 you could you could sort of bum around on those planets procedural planets for no reason a little bit oh, but they yeah. cut that I mean, there were like one or two bunkers, right? There would always be the same bunker yep. with some slightly rearranged boxes. Yep. <laughs> there was like one thing, which was the the syndicate, wasn't it? And the uh, uh, and the sandworm type things. Yes. Um, oh, the, like the thresher moors. Yeah, the thresher moors, yeah. Then you could just do what everyone did, I suppose, or how I feel, feel like you should play Mass Effect 1 and that spend like six to eight hours just dicking around on the Citadel and never leave like <laughs> for the first half yeah. of that game. Well, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Got to clean up all those side quests yeah. before you go out and do all the shit in the space. So, yeah, Xbox. And that's it, basically. <laughs> That's it is. News. Yeah, that is what happened at Xbox. Not, and they, I mean, didn't, they didn't say a new date for Starfield, did they? No, they didn't. Mm. They, it's it's left as it's somewhat nebulous 23 currently. 2023. But the whole the, the thing about this show was is like these are games that are coming out in 12 months. Yeah. So that's what they said. So first said, half of so. this year supposedly. Yeah. So Starfield sits in first half of 2023. That's all we know. Same with Forza Motorsport, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Which they labelled as they labelled that as spring at least. But uh, yeah, there. Were, I mean, there was other things at the Xbox show as well, like Grounded and some Sea of Thieves updates and uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song finally got. Had a little bit of footage. Can't believe that still isn't out. Yeah, I know. Seems so long, doesn't it? Um, uh, but yeah, that was the Xbox show. Um, and I've only got a few more picks from the PC gaming show because, boy, that thing was long and I was skipping huge chunks of it. Yes. Um, 
Uh, I didn't end up watching all of it in the end. I got a bit bored. No. Um, uh, so, you know, did we mention on the podcast, did we talk about Goat Simulator 3? Yep. Yeah. There wasn't a Goat Simulator 2. That's what I said. Yep, totally wasn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> They've just skipped it, which is great. Um, so, uh, possibly of interest to Zach, the developer of Gunpoint and, uh, was it Heat Signature, the yep. second one? They've got a new project. The guy from PC Gamer. The guy from PC Gamer, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, They've got a new thing coming out, uh, which appears to be a sort of uh, two-person team tactical strategy game of some description. But it's called Tactical Breach Wizards. It's like you you appear to be wizards. Yeah. (laughs) Taking on like real security firms or something, taking on the police. Well, you are the police. I you think. are the police, or are you wizard police? Well, because they're wearing like actual police uniforms, but they're like wearing wizard hats. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looks pretty cool. There's like a comedy bent to it as well, and it's. Uh, I mean, it looks to be like. I'm trying to remember what what a, a very similar game would have been because it's like that. It's like it's almost you say like one turn XCOM, where it's just like right. it's a puzzle. In the form of a like XCOM style tactical grid fight, but it all happens. But it all happens like in one go, yeah. and you just have to figure out the exact set of maneuvers. So, so it's a little bit somewhere between Into the Breach, XCOM, and potentially is it Frozen Synapse? Is that sort of that? yeah? That's probably one of the ones. Or Invisible Ink, maybe I think is another one. Right? Yeah, Frozen Synapse was definitely like. Hit like define your tactic. Both teams define their tactics, and a go button is pushed. Yeah, and then you see how it plays out. But I mean, that gunpoint was kind of like that, except it gunpoint was kind of like that if you were doing it well. Whereas it was quite easy to just like garbage your way through gunpoint, <laughs> like do it badly. But if you got a good run on gunpoint, it was like you just set everything up, and it just goes in one maneuver. Hmm. It was just kind of more difficult because Gunpoint was like real time and everything, so you actually had to oh, execute it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure how Heat Signature actually played. I think that was that's more like um, I forget what that game's called. <laughs> the one with the, the top down game with the masks. <laughs> oh, you're thinking like Hotline Hotline Hour. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think Heat Signature was closer to that in its gameplay style. But it was still pretty tactical right it yeah wasn't... but i think it still had it was still real time and okay. it still had that top down like melee combat when you enter the ships mm. so it's still a similar kind of thing as, as that tactical breach wizards yeah i just i just love the concept <laughs> it's cool um another thing that you guys might like hey oh, also enter the into the breach sorry is is, is getting an advanced release yep like so, they do ftl yep so some people get around to make a video of that possibly bigger into the breach we could do um six tactical information video again like we did with ftl that'd be great yeah. i really like or is that this, or is this like yeah zach teaches rob how to play it properly yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome i need some teaching on into the breach yeah i was never very good at that um I still think it's similar to FTL, but I still think there needs to be a mode between easy and normal. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so anyway, there's a game called Nitro Kid, 
and it looks a lot like Into the Breach if instead of mechs you're Bruce Lee <laughs> and you're having a fight <laughs> right I mean it looks okay. almost identical to Into the Breach right in terms of like it's, it's setting up moves seeing what can happen next and then letting the turn play and then you do it again and then it, but it's a but it's a a martial arts fight <laughs> They look pretty cool. Uh, that System Shock remake is pretty close to coming out. Right, yeah. That's a weird one, right? I mean, that game is old, man. That game a is remake. old. Yeah. Like, how do you... Yeah, because surely a lot of it is down to the, the limitations of the technology at the time in some mm. ways. I mean... I, I, I mean, I barely recognise System Shock. If I'm honest, like when I when I see it, I don't like unless you see like the face of the robot lady. Yeah, <laughs> System Shock Two is the one that I yeah know a bit more about. But, mm. um, yeah, showed. But yeah, well, they showed a bit of footage from the from the remade version of that, and it's just I don't I don't really recognise this. I perhaps recognise some of Shodan's. Is it? It is Shodan, isn't it? Um, yeah, um, some of some of her. Tone, I suppose, and mm. uh, her VO, but um, yeah, the way, the way that thing looks is almost rec- unrecognizable, um, as you might expect, I guess. Um, I don't think it's quite. Ha- it's, it's not. A, I wouldn't call it like it doesn't have that big budget look to it. it it's it's no. it, lo- it does look like it's more of a sort of indie grade remake. But um, hey, it's actually happening. That's something to be kind of. <laughs> it might actually come out. There should sometimes be an accolade just for that. Hey, you made a thing. Uh, well, I mean, let's withhold judgment. Yeah, <laughs> you never 100%. know. Could, could be good. Yeah, I don't. I don't have. I mean, as I say, my, my familiarity with System Shock is surface level. Um, I have a feeling it's kind of a, of its time thing, and that a remake might be ill advised. But who knows? Mm. Worth a try. Perhaps I should have just come up with some new shock, like well, after, they did Bioshock. after Bioshock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is called Bioshock because of System Shock, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And finally, just because this looked funny, um, <laughs> have you ever wondered Goldeneye in the way Goldeneye used to be? But without the Golden Eye license, <laughs> uh, without the Bond license, yeah. So there's a game called Agent Sixty Four. <laughs> brilliant! Oh, Sixty Four. Okay, brilliant. Spies never die, and um, yeah, they're basically it's a it's a homage to to Golden Eye, but obviously it's not got the Bond license. Right, and it's and it's like, super faithful, like in terms of like the blocky graphics, the like slow animations, and uh, oh, the, the way the aiming works and stuff like that. It's um, it's it's definitely one to have a look at. It's 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 pretty cool. <laughs> but like, does it like control more like a modern shooter? No, or is it, like I think oh, it, I no. think it looks like it controls like the old ones. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I mean. Times have moved on since 
Freaking gold dice controls. Gold dice pretty hard to play, to be honest. Yeah, but that. But, but I think that's why this is, looks really pretty funny. <laughs> It's okay, like okay. It's, like more, it's like it's almost going back and quopping like the first person shooter at this oh, point. Oh, I right? see. Yeah. Fair. That's funny. Yeah, I could. Be, I think I might be into that. And that's probably all I've got for news. Honestly, there are those were oh. picks from the PC gaming show. Um, well, I think we better get on to what you've been playing. Um, you better go then, Rob. What have you been playing? All right, I bet I'll, I'll get my coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get out of here. Back get out of here. here. Yeah. <laughs> get out the door. No, stay and tell us what you've been playing. Oh, all right. Um, I've got a couple of games what I have finished. Or finished the main stuff of, anyway. Cyberpunk 2077. Whoa. I actually finished or got two of the endings for the main storyline. Wow. Of which I believe there are four, because the game at one point actually there's a way of having the game explicitly sort of tell you as like there are right, four yeah. possible paths. Um, the three buttons at the end of Deus Ex or <laughs> well, Human Revolution. It's funny you should say that. Because <laughs> I'm pretty certain that that's kind of the same thing here. Like, kinda. So, uh, in the last episode I was talking about, I was at some sort of what, what the game described as a point of no return. Um, and turns out, yeah, that that's a, that was one hundred percent true. It was a point of no return because the game just like ferried you to the end from that point. Um, but it was like a good couple hours worth of content from there. Um, so it wasn't like a like like oh you're going into the last fight <laughs> right now. It's like no no no. There's a whole thing. There's a whole lot of sequences. There's still there's still downtime. There's still talking. There's still story to play out here. But that point of no return, part of the conversation you have there, effectively had a 50-50 choice for me, Mm. where I could have picked one route or another. And I think those would have resulted in wildly different end missions, Um, which is interesting. Um, And I think the one one option that I got to do was only because I completed a a sub-storyline all the way, and I don't think that option would have been available to me had I not done that sub-storyline. Right, so the fact that you completed that and unlocked that, you think? Yeah, I, I think that's what okay. gave me the option to say no to this particular mm. scenario and finally have a no mean something. Okay. Oh, because it bothered me. There was one side mission in particular where, where like, there's been a couple of side missions actually in like in in this game where it's like I know going into this is a bad idea, but saying no to it just puts it on pause. Right, there's plenty of conversations in cyberpunk where the, the, the conversation seems to go like it's like you can agree to doing a job or you can say no, this sounds dumb, and like I don't I don't want any part of that. And the problem is with turning something down is it just puts it there, so you can go and it, like the game still sits there going, you want to do this job, right? You want to do this job? Come on, you want right. to do this job? And it's like no, I said no, it's stupid. Like I want that to mean something. Um, and there was definitely one case where it's like, this is an obvious trap. <laughs> it's like, this guy's an idiot. I want to say no to this job and not do it and have it play out in a meaningful story way. Um, especially given that the character is one that gave you grief earlier in the game that this job comes from. It's like, it made made sense to turn it down and walk away and then have something happen. But no, it, it didn't. And it's like, oh, that's so annoying. That's quite, that is quite frustrating. That feels like a missed opportunity um, mm. to actually use your systems properly. Um but in this case, no. The ability to turn down what was being offered 
meant that I had no other choice, effectively, but to refer to the substory route. So yeah, I guess that that's um, that couldn't have been a thing had I not completed that. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but then at the very very end, I did basically have a binary choice about which of two endings I wanted, um, which have a little epilogue sequence. Um, yeah, so I went. Fortunately, that like it made a save like not too far away from. Well, cool, that's handy. From those, so I could just go back and push the other button, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and see what those two endings are like. Um, I mean, they're all right as far as endings go. They're okay. They're not quite as cool as what I was hoping for. I guess. Mm. I think I don't think Cyberpunk ever quite realised the the height of cool that it felt like it was potentially going to striving for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, even with Keanu Reeves. I mean, Keanu Reeves is definitely one of the best things about this game, but um, mm. without a doubt. Um, yeah, so I, I, never, they, I never really quite, got a feel for how V and Johnny Silverhand's relationship was supposed to be. They're like, they, they constantly seem to be like buddy-buddy one moment and then like telling each other that they never listen to each other the next. And it's like it doesn't mm. quite... There's something about like the pacing and the tone of it. Like, it's probably just because it's like it's open world and it's a bit spreading, and so then you could be tackling anything at any time. But like, the writing for these things never hundred percent sat right with me. I couldn't. I just couldn't get a feel for what was how their relationship was, whether they were supposed to be friends or not. Or mm. like, especially towards the end of the game, where it's like there's definitely been sections where these guys have been getting on pretty well. Um, and then there is, there's like dialogue choices seem to all about just being like, yep, I need to get rid of Johnny. And it's like, <laughs> I need to get him out of my head. Like, sayonara, Johnny. And like, it's like, what? No, no, he's supposed to be your friend. Like, it's supposed to be yeah. a slightly nicer way to do this. Um, that sounds, yeah. It's quite... a little disjointed. Yeah, disjointed. Yeah, that's the word. Dissonant. Um, and maybe that's the point. There's a cognitive dissonance in your head. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't seem to have come across quite right. Yeah, no. If that's the case. No, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll go back and pick the other 50-50 and do another few hours worth of ending, see what the other two endings are like. Maybe I'd, if I could even get two endings out of the other route, I don't know. But they, as I say, just because it does sound like it can't play out anything like the ending I I've done it just can't <laughs> there's no way um, I'll be very disappointed if it did <laughs> like somehow root back root back into it uh, but yeah I think I'm I think I'm finished with that it's um it struck me as like it's it, like it's got one of those like ridiculously long credit sequences of course um, it struck me is like when I when it eventually got to the, like the music credits for that. It's like I think I mentioned this before, but like the soundtrack for this is substantial, um, with a lot of artists on it like going under some sort of pseudonym for the for the fake world, or whatever. And mm. uh, uh, I barely remember hearing that many songs. Right, like music, like for as large as the soundtrack is, it's like actually like licensed music or the music element of the game seems to take an odd backseat half the time. And it's, um, and then if you really want it, there's some Ackerbilk in there and some Miles Davis and <laughs> there is some jazz that can be found. 
Wow. It's weird. It's, it's, it's just a weird thing. I sort of enjoyed Eclectic. Yeah, eclectic. Kind. Yeah. But like I said yeah. last time, I was kind of enjoying my time with it. It's like it's not... Mm. It's, it's difficult to put down once you get going. Um, and it took me a little while to get going at the very start of the game. Um, yeah. Took me a while to find a rhythm with it. Um, but I did. Um, but I never... I never really felt like uh, like I was hitting its full potential, um, and some of that, like as I mentioned last time again, like I'm not sure I was hitting its full gameplay potential. I'm still not sure I was engaging with all its systems properly, or even right, how I could. It, it didn't have do a good enough job of yeah, you know, explaining those systems or or, or like being those systems being consistent enough. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, that said, I don't think there's enough there to its systems to make me want to go and 100% the thing. No. Because I don't, I don't even know. That would be an insane endeavor, trying to 100%. Yeah. There's a certain amount where I don't even know. Like, I'm sure there are missions that, are, like, that, that have parts that I haven't done to them yet. Um, like, there's a, there's a street racing sort of plot line. There's you're doing some work with a cop and about the mayor of the city or the death of the mayor of the city. There's like a plot line around it. There's a couple of plot lines around that actually. And I don't think those are fully resolved yet to the point where I got a phone call off one of the guys saying like, I need you to come help me. But the indicator for where I need to go for that hasn't appeared on the map. That's probably a bug <laughs> is what I'm mm, thinking. Yeah. So maybe I'll never be able to do that storyline. Um, Uh, but I have heard other things like actually there are points where if you don't go do a mission, sometimes within a certain period of time it will drop off the map for a while and then come back some number of days later. Like some number of in-game days later. Like there oh, is some, man. There is some stuff that is actually around. timed. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah, I guess that makes sense, but kind of kind of difficult to... Yeah, not quite... Not the best kind of quality of life for the player. No, to be like, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. Where is it? What am I supposed to be doing? How, the what? The what, the what? <laughs> the cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Someone um, actually got through that game. <laughs> yeah, we got through it. We got through it, yeah. That means... Had a reasonable time along the way. A reasonable time, yeah. If you've ended up with a copy, for whatever reason, don't forsake it. It's all right. I think I ended up, what, 50 hours in at completion time-ish. Mm. So, um, yeah, a good chunk of time. Were you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> I was more entertained. I think it, like, I was just sort of thinking, what are the other big open world games I've played of late? Like, anyone that comes to mind was... Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, and it's like, mm -hmm. like it's it's it, it's managed to hold my interest longer than that did. Yeah, yeah. It's got more. I feel like it's got more in it. Like I feel like <laughs> even if it's wonky, but I feel like Horizon's a little bit slim, you know, for the actual size, content-wise, for the size of the game. Am I right? Maybe. Yeah, or it might actually just be too one note. Samey. Yeah. 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 That, that, so, how, <laughs> however unexpectedly, 
the the pacing and slight oddities of cyberpunk might actually be working in its favor right gave it a bit of variety and spice mm. bit of spice uh the other thing i want to talk about is trek to yomi mm. so finish that as well because that's not very long um I kind of went off that game pretty hard. <laughs> mm. um, I was, I was, uh, I was enjoying the first the first half of it. Um, uh, effectively, before you get, um, spoilers, uh, you kind of die halfway through that game. Like I, I, thought, I think I alluded it to it last time, and that that like, Yomi is effectively like the the grave kind of thing. It's like like the afterlife. Um, mm. Uh, so Trek to Yomi is like, mm, okay, maybe you're, you know, you're going in some, you're walking to death. And it's like, no, you die. Um, <laughs> you totally die. Um, except your character doesn't really realize that. Um, and it's, it's um, for, for a good portion of that middle bit. And I think that's where that game really starts falling, fell, started falling apart for me. Not in terms of style, because the visuals and the Kurosawa-ness, the cinematic nature of how everything is shot and presented is what kept me there, actually. That stuff is pretty great. Um, constantly looks the part. Um, I think, like, you know, if black and white's a problem for you, get out of here. This isn't the game for you. Um, but if you can dig that style, it's it's really, really good at it, and it's consistently really good at it. Um, the problem... Uh, for me was just how the combat ended up feeling because it is kind of like that that is that game it's like walk around an area for a bit pick up anything that you can pick up go through a doorway enter into a combat sequence um kill everything that's there carry on that is all this game really is um and uh i just couldn't really get to grips with the combat system for my entire time with it um I was talking last time about how I was initially struggled a little bit with how its parry system works and that it does it requires a tap of the block instead of a, a timed hold of the block and how I was yeah having to yeah. wrap my head around that a little bit. Um but as the game went on I started to even doubt that that was the problem to some degree. It just like the just the timing of the parries never really felt consistent to me. Um mm. And I think that's sort of because some of the... I think that varies from enemy to enemy, like where the parry time is on certain enemy types, which is another problem. There aren't that many enemy types in this game, um, so the combat isn't all that varied. Um, but certain swings seem to like have... You need to parry this really early in the swing, whereas some attacks you parry it a lot later, and as a result of that, like it's hard to get a feel for when, what the timing should be. I mean, you start mm. to remember it with certain enemies, but like, it's not never really felt right. I felt like I could get into a, like a just a losing sequence, effectively, like one of those bits where it's like I'm holding block, but none of these attacks are blocking anymore, uh, and I'm just losing all my health. And they're, they're, the enemy is attacking with such speed that I have absolutely no way of getting out of this particular hole that I'm in. I'm boned. Yeah, um, kind of staggered. Just, yeah. I just found myself in that hole far too many times, and it seems like to be. 
like there were certain sequences where it could be the same enemies you fought a million times, but for some reason in this particular area they were all badass and would just absolutely wipe the floor with me. And then I'd move into the next area, which might have the same group of dudes or a similar group of dudes, and I'd wipe the floor with them. Uh, right. But it would be like I'd, I'd have the, to do that first bit where I was getting wiped like several times to get it right, and then and then yeah, just. There's just some inconsistency about how that game felt the whole way through that I just couldn't get on with. I just just never it never really clicked, um, and that's kind of compounded by a couple of the boss fights that I thought were just kind of garbage. Some of them are good, um, but some of them are kind of just a bit, just a bit rubbish, really. Like they're, they're um, it's so hard to design bosses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like there's just like their only attacks would be un- like nothing but unblockables but this game doesn't really have a way of telling you what an unblockable attack is it's not like they have a color that they can flash on screen <laughs> because the whole thing's black and white um so it's like okay this like pretty much every attack this boss does is unblockable okay and they've got obscene range what am i supposed to do like oh i'm i guess i'm supposed to roll around and roll past him which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't and i couldn't fathom out what the re- reasoning was between it allowing me to go past him and sometimes it just holding me up in front of him so i'd take a massive hit to the face um there was one boss fight in particular that when you get his health down to a certain level he suddenly gets a one-hit kill that is unblockable. Um, oh, oh, man. Uh, and not really telegraphed in any particular way. So I cheesed it. How did you figure that out? Uh, right. Well, it happened to me a good few times, like basically where right. I got to this point in the fight and I would just effectively just get knocked off a cliff. And then it's like, oh, the fight's over. And they're like, okay, great, wonderful. Let's do that whole thing again. And that happened to me several times. And I'm like... Okay, let's vaguely get his health down to that to this particular point, and then just spam my ranged weaponry at him. Let's just throw, <laughs> throw every shuriken I have, hit him with several bows if I can, and see if I can just do just enough damage to. Because the ranged weaponry doesn't do a huge amount of damage, but it can mm. do enough. Um, yeah, just spam all that stuff and see if I can get his health bar down enough to avoid whatever this unblockable is. And it's like, yep, sure enough, that worked. <laughs> Nice. Like, like, but I felt like I cheesed it rather than actually having yeah, a proper yeah. honourable samurai fight. In fact, I think that was the problem with like any of the ranged weaponry. It just always felt like like this doesn't feel like how how my like super well trained samurai would actually fight. Mm. Right, because you're just a Skyrim stealth archer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I could I could get yeah. the bow out. Eventually, you get a gun like thing. Which was also a, like a low point in the game's combat, like when one of, when the enemies get that gun, because it's like you can't just brush past everyone to get to the person with the gun, and those gunshots I think are unblockable and just pass through everyone, like even enemies and stuff like that, uh, to to just get to you, and it's like, yeah, there were some segments where where those dudes were super annoying. Yeah, and I think it's got many endings. Is the other thing as well. There are certain points in the game where it makes you pick a choice of three different paths, and I don't think they always change the actual thing that you're doing. Um, but they do apparently result in different endings, and there's achievements tied to every ending, and it's like, I don't think I want to play through this whole game again, because there's no chapter select, so I can't go back to those points. I've got to play the whole thing again if I want to do a different ending. Unlike uh, your perfectly timed auto. Yeah, my nice saves in Cyberpunk. In yeah. Cyberpunk, 
Thank you for warning me about about a point of no. I'm still confused about cyberpunks. This is a point of no return. Is there another what like point of no return I could get to if the story had played out differently somehow? And if that's true, how on earth could I have done that? <laughs> right, walk away from this point of no return, and and then and then go and find another one. Find yeah, somehow like all you know, did the choices I make earlier in the game like just lead to this particular point of no return? Like, is there a different way of getting to that? I don't know. Mm. Um, it's just, just the wording of that was is is, is fascinating. Anyway, uh, Trek to Yovi, yeah, didn't ugh, disappointing in the end. Damn, that's a good good looking thing. The Rob review <laughs> of yeah. Trek to Yomi. complete. Uh, cool. Final thought, I have just scratched the surface of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge are there any heroes in a half shell in that four of them in fact do they have um, turtle power (laughs) is that what do they have a bar that goes up for turtle power (laughs) actually yes Excellent. I mean, I guess it's their special bar, yeah. right? But yeah, so we could call it the Turtle Power Bar, like just to make that make us feel good. Um, I think this thing might be rad. Um, yeah, I've only played the first three levels of it so far. Like, so really scratching the surface. This thing is really short. Like, it's like it's sixteen levels in total, but like they're not long. It's you know, it's classic beat 'em up sort of lengthy length thing here. Um, mm. But it's a lot of fun. It's like it's actually got a pretty deep move set, and you're not just bashing attack the whole time. They're like there is attack, and there's risers, there's air attacks, there's, uh, there's specials, there's air specials. Um, yeah, there's there's dodge rolls and attacks you can do out of dodge rolls. It's like there's actually quite a lot to it in terms of the combat system, um, and uh, I think the animation looks great. I think the sound is great. Um, and none of this should really come as a surprise because this is developed um, by Tribute Games and .emu. So Tribute Games are the team that is made up of former Ubisoft employees that worked on Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game, mm. um, which is still their best game to date. Um, but they then they then ended up making um, oh, I forget what it was called, like uh, some sort of like run and gun uh, on Steam and then made Flint Hook that I've played and talked about here before. Um, yeah, Tribute have been out, have been out doing things, but none of, them, none of them have really hit as well as Scott Pilgrim did. This might be their return to form um, uh, because it's properly fun. It's really great. Um, I, I think it's only going to get... I'm playing it solo, which is obviously clearly not how this game was designed. I think it's like going to be a much better experience with uh, two or three players probably not more than that because i've seen how that game looks with its maximum six player co-op and its insanity i don't know how anyone sees what's going on when you're playing it with that much stuff going on um but yeah as a straight up as a straight beat em up this, this um this slaps it's good fun um sweet and the music is like super old school and super awesome and it's made by T. Lopes, who has done work for like uh, Sonic Mania and stuff like that in the past. Um, 
this thing seems real cool. I'll talk more about it when I've had a chance to play a bit more. But, uh, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty... It, it, it put a massive grin on my face. <laughs> Get hype for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hell yeah. I just love the fact that, like, you, you get health obviously by finding pizza. Like, of course, yeah, of course. course. But whenever, whenever you pick it up, it's like the entire crew just shouts "Pizza slice!" in like a really over-the-top fashion. It's great. <laughs> what happens if they find one with um, anchovies on? I don't know. Actually, do, do the turtles like anchovies, or was like was that like? Isn't a there one that hates it? <laughs> I'm sure there's one who hates it. <laughs> Ruins a good pizza. Ugh, anchovies. Maybe I need that character, like in the in the in the crew, and they'll have some sort of band. Cool. Right, Zach, what have you been playing? Well, still not much yet. I mean, the Steam sale is happening, so yeah, <laughs> and Rogue Legacy happening. Two is in fact on sale at more of a sale than it was when it released. Yep. So I've spotted oh, that. I've spotted that. That will probably be happening shortly, uh, and. Weirdly, coincidentally, or maybe intentionally, I can't really tell. Like everything on my Steam list has just decided to update again. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> As they always seem to do at a certain point in the year, it's just that everyone seems to be coming around with updates, which is where I saw the Into the Breach update as well, mm. which is not actually out yet. It's like middle of next month. But yeah, like there's been updates for all kinds of random older projects, but not any particularly interesting ones. I don't think. But yeah, I've mainly just been playing some Oxygen Not Included again. Like my, I guess my second save file in the DLC because I'd only ever played that first one the first time. And this second run has been slightly harder because I, I mean, I, I guess I played on one of the slightly harder asteroids, like the starting location. Mm. But like. The balance of that game, I think I said when when I talked about it the first time playing the DLC, is like the new systems and new stuff in the DLC kind of necessitated the balance changing to make it so that like you can survive in a more low tech way for longer. Mm. So like the early food options and whatnot are generally much more easy to live on for a much longer time than they were in the original, mainly because mm. you just have more. Because each asteroid is smaller, but made of le- made of like less individual different types of stuff. So like the asteroids generally have like one major biome that covers most of it. So if you're say growing a type of plant that grows on in dirt, you're going to have a fucking shit ton of dirt because like most of this asteroid is dirt, and therefore you're going to be able to grow those plants for a, 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 a like an extremely long time before you eventually leave to get some of the other resources. Right. Is but, that what is that different from how it was before? Then? Yeah, because in the in the in the original without the DLC, because you're only on this one big asteroid that has everything. Ah, okay, right. Yeah, you have to like progress through the different options as you exhaust each of the different resources as you progress through the map, essentially. Because you like when you're in the starting zone, that's where you have the dirt, and but then you don't have that much dirt, and you'll eventually run out, and then you'll have to start eating a different type of plant. So you'll need to move move into using one of these other biomes. But then right. because in the DLC version of that, those different biomes are different asteroids that you have to be able to fly to in a space program. Yeah. You need to be able to survive on whatever the starting asteroid gives you for much longer. Right, got you. 
So yeah, but yeah, this second one that I've started on, I don't think it's necessarily the first asteroid. Asteroid is more difficult. It's slightly different because it does, doesn't have one of what I would have said was the really overpowered things that the DLC adds, which is like one of the new animals of the DLC added, where like having this animal just basically massively upgrades your plant's food output. Which just, oh, I think you've mentioned yeah, this. Yeah, it doesn't, that combination specifically makes it incredibly easy. Mm. So this doesn't have that animal, it just had like regular stuff. But it, it's not a, it wasn't a very particularly difficult starting asteroid, but the problem that I'm running into now is that I'm I'm looking for a specific plant that grows in like the ice biome basically, but none of the asteroids that are near me appear to have it, and this one specific plant is kind of it's not necessarily vital, but it's incredibly useful for like extensive space programs because it's one of the plants you need to be able to make food that doesn't decay. Right, yeah. Which is obviously not, really useful perishable. for space programs. Right, <laughs> yeah. You, just, you don't space have to worry food. about accidentally having your food decay midway through and everybody's starving. Mm. So that's the resource you need. Yeah, so I'm looking for this one specific plant and none of the asteroids that are nearby appear to have the ice biome. Apparently, because it's slightly annoying because there's a, it's not exactly a UI error exactly, but when you click on the overview of the of asteroids you haven't visited yet it tells you what biomes it has but it tells you it on a sort of a like a general level without going into specifics for that specific asteroid like the second asteroid i landed on is a cold asteroid it doesn't have the ice biome which you'd think is weird because it's the cold asteroid but like it just has other biomes but they're just cold so if you look in the overview where it says the biome list, it says it has the jungle biome, but it it has the jungle biome in terms of like the rock and gases, but it doesn't have any of the plants because it's cold, so they, none of those plants exist. So it's technically the jungle biome, but it's not actually the jungle biome. Mm. So you can't actually get all the resources you'd expect from the jungle biome. Right, uh, gotcha. And then on this other asteroid, I was like, oh, this one says it has the ice ice biome on it except it doesn't actually have the ice biome, it just has a frozen core, which is like the ice biome, except it doesn't have the actual plants of the ice biome, which is what I was after. So it's like, that that overview doesn't necessarily help. But then, like, so what, one of the asteroids nearby does claim it has the ice biome, and I suspect it probably actually really does. The trouble is, it's the, like, the fucking impossible asteroid, where the, like, it's the inverted asteroids, they call it, where basically it's magma on the outside... <laughs> No. So when you're coming into land and you have to establish your like rocket platform and then dig inwards, you're trying to manage trying to get through basically a fucking magma sea on the surface, which Jeez, is incredibly yeah. difficult. <laughs> so I don't even know what I'm going to do about that exactly. I've just been avoiding it for now. <laughs> but yeah, my, I'm at the point where I'm like I don't have any because all of the like starting biomes of these asteroids have a type of plant which is meant to be like your very 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 early food resource before mm. you even have farms essentially where you just dig it up out of the ground and those are specifically non-perishable obviously to make that easier so i've been saving those for my space program essentially by because i'm because i know how the game works it's like i can rush to actual farms 
save all those unperishable plants that are meant to be for the early game, but instead save them for my space program because they're unperishable. Ah, okay. But the, then now I'm running out of those. Mm, <laughs> so right, like yeah. my space program is about to become much more awkward. So I, I'm scanning around hoping to find an easier asteroid to land on the goddamn magma planet. <laughs> it's interesting that the, the space program is like limited not by, you know, by a, by a food source rather than like by i don't know rocket fuel or something yeah like it's like the early game rocket fuels are so easy now in the dlc version of things like the first asteroid you, the first rocket engine you get is just the carbon dioxide engine where it just fires out carbon dioxide and of course okay. you've just got a shit ton of that line around yeah loads of that and then the second engine is like this did exist in the original game is the steam engine the steam engine used to be the first engine you'd get in the non-dlc and now it's just sort of a early mid-tier kind of engine now where it's like it's got some lifting capacity but not as much as like real engines <laughs> but it's way more than the carbon dioxide engine so mm. so it's like oh yeah the steam engine that's not a problem i can make one of them but yeah the actual problem is is food <laughs> keeping the person inside the cockpit alive <laughs> and that's only really a problem because of i mean i mean I suppose there are technically ways you could solve it. Like if you if you chilled the space capsule internally down to like minus twenty or whatever I think it is, where food goes into into it goes past refrigerated and into frozen, then that stops any food from decaying. So if you can if you could if you could theoretically build a, a rocket like with a cockpit and then like not build the actual stuff you wanted, just build like a bunch of cooling devices in there and just wait for it to cool down to like minus forty or something so you have a bit of leeway and then load it up with food and then it would just stay preserved mm. while you were flying. The pilot would probably not find that very enjoyable, but it'd be it'd be great for the food. <laughs> but then again, my pilots don't find it very enjoyable anyway, because I usually pressurize the cockpits to like 20 kilograms of oxygen per tile so they constantly have popped eardrums anyway so they, they don't like that <laughs> they're either like, they're like super squashed if they were the, like the on the kerbal cam they'd be a bit annoyed <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> but you know 20 kilograms of oxygen per tile makes it last a hell of a long time yeah like i can if you when you get to this like the large large version of the cockpit where it's a it's a actually a room essentially rather than like a capsule you can pressure that and pressurize that for 20 kilograms of time and that will last you like 20 whole days <laughs> without having to worry about it. Which is very convenient. Longer than most food will take to decay, for sure. So yeah, there are there are other workarounds for non-perishable food, but I'd really prefer just to be able to, you know, have non-perishable food and not have to worry about it. Also because obviously cooling something down, that's that's the main thing about about oxygen not included it's not the oxygen that's actually the problem it's the heat <laughs> and moving heat around mm. so if i had to that's spend a, a bunch of extra energy cooling down a cockpit of a spaceship that was kind of annoying although to be honest my base on this new starting asteroid is essentially runs on free energy the, for the, the entire game so far i haven't actually burnt anything <laughs> you start with these like slugs that generate power at night and you just have to feed them a little bit of metal ore so i was like oh that's great i'll just run off those for a while 
And you get a little bit of manual generators during the day if the batteries start running low. But then, you know, you move on to solar panels, get them up and running, get that free energy as well, which is basically the inverse of the slugs, get the free energy during the day. So that evens out the slugs nighttime versus daytime. So you could basically run without using any kind of coal or natural gas. I do have a natural gas vent in this space that I've boxed in and like have a pipe coming out of that I could theoretically just run a natural gas generator, but at the moment I'm just using it to cook food in a, you know, in a cooker. <laughs> a natural gas-powered cooker. Just Camping stove. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. You need you need some fire slugs. That's what you need. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing. I mean, the whole reason I've been playing this is because there was that the, there's that recent patch where they added a few new, new things and optimised it slightly. And yeah, I haven't really seen any. I've seen one of the new things, which is like a the new animals that they added are basically only just alternate versions of animals that already existed. Because all of the animals have alternate versions where they do something slightly different or eat a different thing, usually. But so the one that I've seen is like an old. There's a weird sort of rabbit thing that that can like plant seeds in the in. in for free basically so you that you can use that to kind of exploit naturally naturally growing plants by forcing this animal to plant them for you not in a farm and therefore you don't have to like you know fertilize them at all and you just get free food they grow much slower but it's basically free but then you get the alternate version of that which i don't even know if it still does plant plants whether that whether it gets rid of that but it's its actual function is to like increase the incubation speed of eggs so if you have eggs of any species lying around near it, it like sits on them basically and, <laughs> and makes them incubate faster. Which I'm not sure if that's especially useful. I mean, it does take a long time for eggs to incubate in the like in the wild. There's a building you can build to incubate eggs, but then that like costs power, obviously. Sure. So you can use this creature as like an alternate to that, I suppose, but and whether these creatures end up being edible, I suppose. Well, everything's edible, yeah. <laughs> they just turn into meat, generic meat. You can have a meat farm of some description again. Yes, you can have all kinds of ridiculous meat farms. <laughs> Typically, the easiest way to do that is just like, you just make a, you make a, any kind of farm with normal creatures in. Because they have, when they're captive, their like reproduction rate goes up much higher than when they're wild. Like when, when animals are wild, they lay basically exactly one egg in their lifetime. So populations are stable in the wild, but you, it will never go up. So they'll just lay exactly one egg before they die, and then that one will essentially replace them. That's why I've got more like my power slugs are, are still wild. So they just, they've, they've got this constant population that's always there, so I'm always getting the same amount of power. Gotcha. Yeah. But then once you tame, the, tame an animal, the the rate of production of eggs goes up, but then it's limited. It's usually limited to like the occupancy is limited to how big the room is. So if you have a, a normal size stable, you can only fit like eight creatures in there. Some creatures have more or less space requirements, but it's usually like eight. And then, so they'll lay eggs up to eight, but then once there's, once there's an eighth egg in the room essentially or like seven creatures and one egg or whatever once the room reaches capacity then the rate, reproduction rate goes back down 
But if you set up an automated system to sweep those eggs up, so they'll oh, constantly keep laying more eggs, and then you put those eggs in, say, like a pool of water with a door over it, <laughs> and then when the egg hatches, the creature immediately drowns, and then you just scoop up the meat. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so, diabolical. So yep. cruel. That is <laughs> horrible. That is the laziest way of doing it. <laughs> or you just wait for it to hatch and then just shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> which is the much much more like lazy but less automated so you don't have to wait for creatures to like no grow, grow good you meat. can kill them immediately and they <laughs> give you the same amount of meat <laughs> and don't you waste bullets by shooting them no because it's a ray gun oh it's a ray gun okay <laughs> yes it's just the generic tool that the dudes have that they shoot at everything and <laughs> cause various things to happen mining and building it's all the same well I guess it's not technically the same tool they look different when they're animating but they shoot at a thing and a thing happens <laughs> including building where they're just like it has an animation where it's just like a bunch of cogs and shit are flying out of this gun into the building <laughs> that's how you build things obviously I mean Total Annihilation told me that yeah exactly it's like nanobots except less advanced <laughs> <laughs> just a bit bigger Yeah, that's mainly what I've been doing, but not that much of it. And of course, plenty of dirt grinding. Dirt. Not that much of that either, really. I'm like, I think I'm two thirds of the way through. Well, I'm like two thirds of the way through the script tree, but only halfway through the actual leveling. Because I think I must have got all the extra script from like getting data racks from doing the industrial sabotage mission, because you still get that in season two which I was kind of confused about because I was like, why am I still getting script off these data rank missions? Mm. Have I not got all of these extra ones yet? But apparently not. I think I might have I might have now. Are those not listed in the interface? Like, are no. They, are they not the ones? I guess they're not the cubes. No, they're not the cubes. They're, they're in the like daily missions or whatever. Huh. They'll okay. be in data rank missions for doing the industrial sabotage that give you a script there as well. But yeah, when I counted it up, when I was like, okay, if I count all the ones that are in the cube and all the ones that are in the XP tree and compare that to how many there are in the actual unlock tree, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I must need like a couple more of these data racks <laughs> to get enough. But I think I've reached that point now. But yeah, trundling away at that. And I've noticed several other people in my Steam list have started playing Dirk as well. Sweet. <laughs> Whether I'll get into any multiplayer games, I don't know. And they've kind of made an early announcement of like things that might be in season three. Apparently, season three is going to be grenades yeah. for the weapon upgrades. Just... Sort of makes sense. They've done primaries, mm. they've done secondaries. Well, kind yeah, of, but like grenades. grenades is way less interesting because there's no overclocks. Well, maybe they'll add overclocks. Well, they could, I guess. But then that kind of. Well, yeah, I guess. But like you might as well just give the grades an upgrade tree. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll do both. Maybe, but yes. So grenades, and I've, there's been some vague hints that there might be a new environment, Ooh. like a new actual level, not just mission type. Yeah, okay, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. New biome. Yeah, so that would be. And I also had, I speaking of biomes, I had that, I had an interesting occurrence of like, 
a case where the procedural generation used the same thing twice and i was like oh yeah <laughs> but the thing is it was a really obvious one because there's this one specific cave generation where there's just it just generates one gigantic ass cave it's like a big sort of sausage shaped cave where it's just like it's really long and it has like spirally kind of like almost root like things up high except obviously they're not roots because it's not well unless it's in the plant biome but yeah, <laughs> if it's not right. in the plant biome they're not <laughs> but yeah it's this huge ass cave that generate that's like it's so big that like it messes with the actual like draw distance of that game hmm. like it's so long that you when you're standing at one end of it the fog draw distance it isn't far enough so like you can actually see past the end of the fog and then like it looks really weird because you're like the fog just stops and then it turns into like a black hole essentially oh strange but yeah, I had that giant ass cave spawn once in, I forget what the first biome, oh, the fungus bogs was the first time I had it spawn. And then not long after that, in a different mission, I had it spawn again, except in the magma biome, <laughs> which was a lot more annoying because it's just like, it's a huge ass cave that is quite flat on the floor, which gives a lot of space to spawn a whole shit ton of fire vents. Right, yeah. <laughs> So that was quite annoying. Well, I mean, the fungus bogs had a lot of like goop and, and poisonous mushrooms and shit, but Fire is slightly more dangerous than that. <laughs> and also, the second time I came for it, it was a refining mission as well. So it's like, I mean, I guess it was nice and flat for building the pipeline, but they were mm. quite long. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're actually not super but long. Plenty of grind. Not super long, because the, the resource points all spawned quite near one end of the cave, which made kind of the other half of that cave always pointless, because <laughs> there's nothing down there except mineable resources, I suppose. But they, that yeah, that is one type of cave that is like very recognizable in the in the procedurally generated thing as like a an item. This is a piece. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not like because it masks. Usually, it masks things like that quite well. You do yeah. start to recognize some shapes, but because they're smaller, it's not usually as nice. When they usually get cut through by other stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because the the biomes don't like the bio. Oh, is it the dense biozone tends to fe- feature those old lips? Yeah, are quite annoying. So, like, presumably the levels have to be made out of lip pieces. Um, I mean, not like human lips. I mean, like, like, like edges, edges. Yeah. Although in the, de- edges. in the dense biozone, I feel like that's that's not necessarily pieces as much as like a sort of a shape. It's like they're basically sort of circular caves, but they're with like a wavy shape to the walls. Yeah, I guess. And there can sometimes be things in the lips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put things in lips. Put things in holes. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of that in Dirk, in fairness. Yep. You're always putting things in holes. You're always putting things in holes. <laughs> Where do all these minerals go? Yep, exactly. And I've, I've had to resort to playing Scout. <laughs> because of all- <laughs> what? Because all my other classes have leveled past him now. Oh, really? So I'm just like, well, he's my lowest level, so I guess I just have to play him a bit solo. Huh. That's surprising. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I always thought Scout would be the most annoying to play solo. But actually, the trick to it 
is it's nothing to do with the mining it's more to do with the fighting and i thought that was going to be a problem except it turns out one of the new weapons the crossbow if you get the pheromone bolts and the upgraded pheromone bolts you basically don't even have to fight during a wave <laughs> you just wait for like a praetorian or a oppressor to spawn and it just keeps shooting it with the pheromone bolts and just have the entire wave just fight it <laughs> and you just stand there <laughs> it's like it's quite convenient <laughs> I'll get the popcorn out. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe Bosco can help a bit. Yeah. He can shoot them a bit while they're fighting each other. But I'll just stand here and, and then, like, every 16 seconds, just refresh the pheromone buff. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes that quite easy in Solo on Scout, in fact. I mean, only at difficulty three, of course. Because <laughs> that's what I play Solo at. Rob probably, I, like, I always say I probably should like maybe do more has for stuff, but it's too much effort. <laughs> it's too much like actual effort. Far too many, uh, even more cave leeches. I, yeah, maybe. I don't know how much the cave leeches actually spawn on that, uh, like on on like hazard level. I feel, I feel like I mean, we've encountered more leeches than we've put it on level four. Yeah, I would say they definitely do ramp up, but I don't know if it's necessarily more of them or just a more chance of them existing at all right <laughs> this is a leechy level yeah but even when i don't think have we ever done a cave leech warning where it's no i don't think we have <laughs> where it specifically is like yeah there's gonna be fucking leeches oh my god that'd be hell on earth except i think every time i've done hell one under of, earth. <laughs> i think every time i've done one of those it's only been like three and it's like well that's like a normal number of cave yeah. leeches if, you, if there are leeches, that's how many there are, right? Yeah, three didn't. I mean, like, I'm sort of imagining a, like a ceiling almost filled with them, so you've got to deal with them all to move anywhere. Yeah, exactly. But that's what heightened senses is for. Mm. In fact, when I first started playing Scout, I forgot because it's the one I had played with you, I didn't have heightened senses turned on. So the first time when I got immediately grabbed by Cave Leech, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I have that on. For when I'm playing solo. Not the. Not that it wouldn't be beneficial in most way, because it's not like we're very good at spotting them for each other no, either. We're, no, we're terrible <laughs> at spotting leeches. Derek. But I think I've got used to like the sound they make anyway, which is obviously something else that you can get better at in solo when you don't have anyone distracting you by talking or anything. You can actually hear it. Or, you know, shouting out every little thing they see. Yeah, or spamming the voice command. It's more! But yeah. You can definitely hear the cave leeches coming. If you learn to recognise the sound, you can react quick enough to actually stop them before they grab you. Where you just like look up sharply, and then you can see the thing like normally a couple of meters away by that point. You're just like shoot it. And if you hit it with anything, then that will stop it from actually grabbing you, even if it's just like one bullet. That's enough, and then you can actually aim at that point. Just spam vaguely upwards real quick. I wonder if you can get a cave leech by, like, if you hear that noise, throw a grenade directly downwards, and then if it gets oh. you, and then it, you still explode, but it I knocks you it. out of it. Yeah, maybe. Or <laughs> do you actually have to hit the base, as opposed to just the... Because you definitely can shoot the grabbing bit to stop it from grabbing you. Mm. So I wonder if the grenade explosion would count enough to... Once if you're you, already grabbed. If you're already grabbed, yeah. If that would do enough damage to it to kill it, maybe. Or would it be able to grab the uh, grenade like, you know, enemies in Metroid? Well, supposedly, if you're using the engineer's lure grenade, enemies can actually grab that. Huh. Like the sand trawlers and, suppo I, I mean, I guess the cave leeches. 
if you just like threw it out and then occasionally you came down and grabbed that, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Doug. Yep, Doug. Got to play more of the Dergs. Always more Doug. And more Rocket League, obviously. And Hyrule Warriors. Got to work on my luxury season for Rocket League. <laughs> well, I think we're getting to the end of this podcast. Indeed. It's pretty late, these. Uh, starting late after the honest. cheesy pizza. I'm getting yeah. pretty tired now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Slightly flagging, so I think mm. it is time. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, do check out our YouTube channel. We've got our continuing Let's Play of uh, Ocarina of Time. What a classic. New episode one uh, today as well. In fact, well, yesterday by the time I post this cast. Yeah, so check that one. Brand new episode. <laughs> and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another salad cast. You outrageous fellow. Bye. <laughs>